It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Whatever you've got on this weekend, don't miss a moment in the world of sport. Wherever you are around the country, we've got you covered. This is SENZ. afternoon to you. It's one minute past one on a Sunday afternoon, the 27th day of November for 2022 with Stephen McIver. You know the number if you want to talk about anything that's happened over the weekend so far in sport. 0800 150811 or you can text on the Timber Bedpost text line. That's 8833. How about this for a little bit of gossip? We might talk about this later on. All right, have a think about this. Warren Gatlin goes back to Wales. Talk already that Wayne Pivak's tenure as the Welsh coach is done after his side blew a rather large lead against Australia and they went down to them uh, overnight. And his record this season for the Welsh is 3-12. There is a story at walesonline.co.uk that says Warren Gatlin dismisses speculation on Wales coaching. I'm always saying where there's smoke, where there, there is fire. If you have some thoughts of that, please give me a call 0800 150811 on this. Sunday afternoon, wherever you are listening around New Zealand or in Australia on the SEN or SENZ app, have, I'm really looking forward to it. It's a busy old day. Uh, a little later on today, we're going to talk to Noel Barkley about some more stunning FIFA World Cup matches out of Qatar. And Sean Johnson, that's right, the Warriors number six or seven, whichever way you want to supply it. We'll talk to him after three o'clock about how pre-season's going as he moves into its close, I think it's closing on his 15th pre-season. And how he's feeling with new team players and, and continuing to be the oldest guy on the team. So much more to talk about along the Black Sox play game two today, this afternoon at around three o'clock this afternoon against the USA after their 3-1 win against the Czech Republic in the opening match of the Trade Staff World Softball Championships out there on the North Shore. So there's a lot to talk about. And if you feel like uh, engaging, and I'd love you to engage, 0800 150811. In the meantime, our focus for the next 10 or so minutes turns to women's cricket. And there is a New Zealand women's 11 featuring seven players with international experience to face Bangladesh in two warm-up matches starting on tomorrow in Lincoln ahead of the White Ferns 
uh, T20 and one day series against Bangladesh. Uh, the White Fern squad named to face Bangladesh will be named on Monday. Their coach is Ben Sawyer and he joins me right now. Good afternoon to you, Ben. G'day, how are you? Yeah, look, I'm good, mate. When you were appointed back in June, buddy, you said you saw a lot of potential in the group. Has that materialised? Yeah, look, I think a, a perfect example probably is someone like Fran Jonas who, um, you know, when I probably spoke last time, it was our first couple of camps and then, you know, to, to throw her the ball in, in the Commonwealth Games and um, she's opening the bowling for us in, in front of ten or 12,000 people at the Games and lots of people watching on telly and, and did that job, you know, tremendously well and then continued that through, you know, the West Indies Tour as well. So... I think she's a perfect example of someone who, you know, thought there was a little bit of talent and ability there and, and has really stepped up. So, and there's probably a number of those examples. If I'm correct, the Commonwealth Games was your first assignment, right, as head coach? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So um, it was a pretty nice one to be involved in first up. But, <laughs> but uh, I'm sure it gave you a lot of pause for thought about how players react under pressure too because of the enormity of the tournament at that time. And as you said, the big crowds. Yeah, no, it's exactly right. And like I said, to to throw a young girl like that at 18 and give her the ball first up, and and then someone like Georgia Plimmer, same same age group, you know, very young, and and uh, first ball that she faced in the Commonwealth Games with lots of people watching, she she walked at Darcy Brown and hit her back over her head, and and just had the confidence to to be able to do that first up. So lots of little signs there that um, there's some really good talent, and um, you know they're not afraid to to use it on the big stage. So it was really exciting. Are you a style coach? Uh, look, I, I think very much mine would more be around like your roles in the team. So and that's what we're trying to figure out, you know, we how we want to attack the power play, how we want to attack the middle overs and the death. And, you know, I've got some thoughts around what I think works it works in each in each phase of the game and um, trying to find players to, to fit into that and also you know, for them to express themselves a little bit. But I think at the moment, you know, obviously with the, the World Cup, that's our, our main focus in February and, and figuring out how we can win each one of those phases. And then, you know, I think if we can win two or three phases a game, then you're obviously going to win the match. So that that's very much what we're looking at. Yeah, look, I was watching the, the one day as recently, the, the men's T20 World Cup and looking at those, those power plays. How important is the power play for you? Uh, I think it's more about wickets on both sides of the on both sides of the game. So, um, you know, a great example last night watching the Big Bash that you know the team that's won eleven or twelve games they they lost three or four wickets early in the power play and and it's really hard to come back from that. So, big focus for us up front with the ball and the power play is to take wickets and and how do we do that? So we look at girls that can swing the ball big and and girls that can bowl big spin. Um, and then obviously with the with the bat, um, yeah, we want to take advantage of the two out. But, you know, I think wickets um, are, are the really important part for us there. So a little bit different in one day is, whereas T20, we're prepared to take a bit more of a risk. But, you know, I definitely think on both sides of the, of the ball, it's around taking wickets or, or not losing too many. As a coach, and you've got someone like Susie Bates on your side, do you just smile every time you, you put that name down on the sheet? Yeah, mate, and she's fantastic. I think exactly what you just said then, especially as a coach and just the knowledge that she brings. And you know, I've watched her now, obviously, with the White Ferns and, you know, even without the, the C beside her name, she's very much a leader and, and really helps Sophie. And then, um, you know, obviously watching the Big Bash and even the 100 that she's involved in, she you can just see her input on the field and uh, how calm she is, but also just the knowledge around opposition players and, and tactics and 
you know, we, we tried to make a part of our spin group in the West Indies and, and the spin bowling coach commented that how good it was just to have her in the room and then, you know, she's able to deliver on those plans, even if it's not her bowling, she's able to help the young bowlers on, on what we spoke about in meetings and things like that. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's an absolute privilege to have her. Is it fair to call Susie Bates a generational player? Yeah, I think without a doubt. Um, you know, record speaks for itself and... Um, I don't think there's any stopping her just yet either at the moment, so um, I think there's still a little bit to go. All righty, let's look at this uh, New Zealand 11 uh, couple of matches that start tomorrow. You've got a couple of white fern seamers in there, Hannah Rowe and Molly Penfold, uh, as are Kate Abraham and uh, Bernardina are in there as well. And then you've got some you know, newly contracted white ferns, Lee Kasperich, Tamsin Newton and Claudia Green. What are you asking from those women? Are you allowed to say, this is what I want to see you, and then leave it, leave it up to coaches, Jamie Watkins and Craig Cumming? Yeah, that's exactly what I've done. You've hit the nail on the head there. We've spoken about how we want to play as a White Ferns group, the scores that we're looking. So, you know, as an example, we've we've sort of noted, well, not noticed, we've done our work, and 160 in terms of T20 wins a lot of uh, women's cricket game so that's our real focus as a as a white ferns group and i want this new zealand 11 to have that same focus but within that it's up to jamie and craig how how they achieve that so there's lots of different ways to do it and but we want all the girls to know that that's that's what the target that we're looking for and then the same style of play up front we want want bowlers to take wickets so the the names you mentioned there um hannah and molly and and lee like we want you to to really attack up front, and because that's the way that the White Ferns want to play as well. So, um, yeah, being new, I guess, still new to the role, it, it's been great just to be able to share those thoughts. And and I want everyone across New Zealand cricket, um, you know, when they represent, to, whether it's in the New Zealand eleven or for the White Ferns, to to have a similar mindset. So yeah, definitely want to want to play the game that way. And are you type of are the are you the type of national coach that will then go to the the other coaches, Jamie and Craig, and say, hey, this is what I'd like you to work on? Uh, I think more so that these are the goals that we're trying to achieve, and actually speak to them about how they think we can get there. So I'm not definitely not a coach who says I've got all the answers, and and there's lots of different ways to get to 160. If you, as an example, like if you want to attack the power play or you want to leave wickets in hand and really attack at the back end, so. Um, I think it's great actually just chatting with the coaches and, and seeing what they want. You know, do they want a particular number to chase in the power play? Uh, I don't particularly work that way, but I'm happy if they do as as long as we're all working towards that goal of knowing that that's a score that is going to win a lot of matches. So um, definitely sitting down and, and chatting with them and, and seeing their thoughts on, on how they think we can get there. Are you surprised at the growth and popularity of women's cricket? Uh, look, I'm not really. I've been involved in it for a long time. I mean, um, it's probably 12, 15 years now, honestly, that I've, I've been involved in women's cricket back with New South Wales cricket. And, and I see the work that, that everybody's put in. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to, to work with some of the greats, you know, even back in Australia with Elise and, and Alyssa and, and just see the work that they put in and how they've promoted the game. And, um, you know, Susie and Sophie and girls like that have done the exact same job here in New Zealand. So, um, yeah, in my opinion, they're, they're getting the rewards for the work that they've all put in. And just one final thought, Sophie Devine, as a leader, uh, how does she stack up in your mind of, of leaders that you have had before? Yeah, look, again, I've worked with Sophie a couple of times now and, and was lucky enough to work with her at um, Birmingham with the 100 and, and made a captain of that side as well because of the leadership that she shows. She's 
she's very much about caring for the for the players in her team and um, she takes a lot on board and at times maybe a little bit too much even just for herself and um, you know it's just finding that balance with her but you cannot find someone more generous with their time um, for members in her team and uh, for the team in general and also for New Zealand cricket she's she wants to chat about how we can continue to grow the game and how we can give some of these younger girls a, a bit of an opportunity, you know, while she's still playing. So um, I don't think you can have it in better hands than with Sophie and Susie to that point. I actually do have one final question for you, Ben, because yeah. it's, the, it's the one it's the one question everybody wants to ask about. Culture yeah. and, and the culture that you, you build. What sort of culture are you trying to build? Yeah, and I'm happy to, to share that with everyone. We've sat down at the start and, again, like as a new coach coming in and, and wanted to get the players' thoughts and, um, you know, really two words um, really stood out for this group and it was around care and compete. You know, we, we want to look after one another and, and we want to look after ourselves and, um, you know, if we're in the best possible shape that we can be in and, and care for ourselves, then, you know, we're going to play well and um, this is an ultra-competitive group. You know, I... I um, you know, if they're playing board games while they're sitting around, they want to win. So that became a real word for the group as well. And I think that's a really positive thing. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're two words that have come to the fore for this team is caring for one another, each other, and, um, you know, competing in everything that we do. And that means competing at training against one another. And, and hopefully that means competing for spots too and, you know, building a bit of depth. So... I'm really happy with that. Got to love hearing that. Got to love hearing that they're competing at everything they try. Hey, as an Aussie, you must be happy with that uh, Socceroos one over Tunisia, eh? Yeah, I did see that this morning. And I must admit, I heard you guys just talking about the Welsh rugby. And when I turned on, they were... 20 odd points down so I flicked it off so I didn't know until you just mentioned then that they'd won so um, no, it was pretty good to hear Alright mate uh, thanks so much for your time and the best of luck in the T20 and one day series against Bangladesh buddy No worries at all thank you very much You're more than welcome Ben Saw what a lovely bloke to talk to first time I had a chance to chat to him so there is the New Zealand 11 matches in Lincoln uh, starting tomorrow the White Ferns team will be named tomorrow they have their first T20 against Bangladesh on the 2nd of December that's a Friday at Hagley Oval uh, then they have their second one at University of Otago Oval on the 4th of December the third T20 is at Sir John Davies Oval in Queenstown on the 7th of December then they move into the one day series on the 11th of December is the first at uh, Cello Basin Reserve uh, McLean Park has the second on the 14th of December and just before Christmas on Saturday the 17th of December is the third one day international at Seddon Park in Hamilton that's the White Ferns versus Bangladesh they have a very very strong uh, season and and listening to and Ben I'm going to just bring you in here just briefly listening to him talk and that's Ben Saw the White Ferns coach about care but competitive and how competitive that the players are with each other it, it honestly it sounded like an Australian team you know you know you've got an, I know you've got an Aussie guy there but but this idea of competition at every level they do well it probably probably kind of helps and translates to on the field I would assume if you're competitive in other aspects and amongst your team you might it might translate onto the field you might just get that little extra grunt that little extra desire yeah alrighty should we talk rugby shortly I think we should. Let's talk rugby and the overnight results. Stay with us here on SNZ on a Sunday afternoon with Stephen McIver and Ben Francis. 
20 past one on the Sunday afternoon, November 27, 2022, with Stephen McIver and Ben Francis on the Sunday afternoon, 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. If you'd like to talk about anything, maybe you'd like to talk about the fact that uh, uh, Wales last week lost to Georgia, put plenty of pressure on their coach, Wayne Pivak. Then they led Australia overnight, 34-13, only to lose... Only to lose 39-34. Wayne Pivik now three from twelve. And already the talk, already the talk is to bring back Warren Gatland. Would you bring back Warren Gatland? Would you bring back Warren Gatland? Or is that a, a, a back, you know a backward step for Wales? But three from twelve? Wayne Pivak must have smelly undies, I can assure you of that. Here's his uh, here's a sound bite, shall we say, from the press conference afterwards. Well, Wayne, I think 60,000 people in this stadium are probably asking the same question right now. How did Wales lose that one? Look, I think the same way that we uh, gained momentum in the game and took control of the game with, uh, you know, a lot of ill discipline from Australia at times, um, we capitalised. Uh, we took full advantage of, of the time that they had men in the bin and then roles were reversed in the last 20 minutes. We, we were uh, subject to number deficiencies and uh, Australia were good enough to take advantage. So just really disappointed for the boys because what we asked for in the week, we pretty much delivered out there today. I thought, you know, it was a big step up from last week. Uh, certainly gutting that we didn't get across the line at the end, but probably really shouldn't have been uh, fighting for our lives in the last play of the game. Momentum is a, an important word in this scenario. Australia um, had momentum in that second half. Justin Tipperick, your captain, has just been sin-binned. Alwyn Jones was replaced, at the same time as Toby Faletau. You lost some key decision-makers for that last pivotal 15 minutes of that game. Yeah, we got some fresh legs on when we're down numbers. You know, those guys have put in a huge effort, um, not only during the week, but obviously in, the, in that period of time they are on the park. And, you know, we're looking at phases leading up to the time when we sub-players and... and how hard they're blowing, and those two guys have put in a monumental shift. So, look, it's uh, decisions that you make at the time, and, um, you know, fresh leagues coming on is what we needed, as you saw. Down to 13 players, it's very, very tough for those that have been playing from the start. Questions have been asked in the in the past few weeks about your future. Are you confident that you are the right man to take Wales now to the World Cup? Yeah, look, uh, we, we've been through a lot in three years, you know, and, and today I thought for large parts of that game showed what we're about, and... Uh, We've got a few players to come back in. Um, we've learned a lot about a lot of people, uh, and I think now this close to the World Cup, we'd want to see it out, obviously. But um, yeah, that's where that's only my point of view. That's an incredibly positive Wayne Pivak after a season that ended three from twelve. <laughs> I've got to give it to him, man. He he showed uh, no signs of uh, of being under pressure as a coach. But apparently, there have been secret meetings about bringing back bringing back Warren Gatland for the World Cup. If you've got thoughts on that, 0800 150811. That's 0800 And the other game played at Twickenham between South Africa and England. South Africa triumphed in their first win at Twickenham since 2014, 27 13. There was going to be no comeback from England this time around. Uh, their season ended for the first time in a long time with more losses than wins six losses and five wins for the English. That final score, 27 13. Here's Eddie Jones. Uh, well, we didn't need to develop consistency. You know, test match rugby is all about consistency. It's being consistent in your basics. You know, win, win, win the aerial contest when you play against South Africa, when you play against New Zealand, you've got to win the ruck contest. 
and we, we just weren't consistent enough in, in those, in particularly the aerial contests, and we weren't consistent enough in the set-piece contest today to put ourselves in a good position. So we've just got to, we've got to keep working hard. Uh, because it's difficult, mate, when you play against good teams. You know, sometimes they take away the things you want to do. And South Africa were good at taking away the things we wanted to do. We've been really fantastic in the air up until today. And for some reason we weren't. Um, and sometimes that can be a system, a system problem in your team and sometimes it can be just individuals having days off. So we've just got to go away, come up with a better way of of overcoming when we do have a, we're down a little bit in areas and, and and be able to find other ways to get in the game. We couldn't get in the game today and that was the most difficult thing. Have you been very loyal to a lot of uh, older players who've been on the side um, and you said they have learned to do new things. Does that mean that with eight games to go we're going to look at new faces or new tactics or new strategies? Well, I don't really understand your question to start with. Yeah, we had five guys all under 20 tests playing today. So that's one third of the team is new. So I don't really understand your question, but I'm happy to try to answer it. OK, well, forget that part of it. In terms of you said that you've got to try new things, is that going to be strategy, tactics or selection? Uh, well, I think, I, you know, as I said, I think selection-wise we're moving in the right direction. We've got a number of good young players coming through. I think a number of guys who've been out are coming back are going to be in better form by the World Cup, so I think we're in the right direction. In terms of strategy, strategy's an interesting word in rugby. Um, yeah, we want to play to our strengths, and, and sometimes you're allowed to play to your strengths, and sometimes you've got to find another way to play. So we're always looking to see how we can become more adaptable in that area. Uh, well, I don't really feel about it anyway. You know, the only thing I feel about is preparing the team as well as I can. Um, and I don't really care what other people think, mate. I know you do, Nick. So uh, if there's any better way to answer it, I will, mate. Let me know. I love an honest Eddie. I love an honest Eddie. I don't care what you think. He's the coach who's doing his job and he's basically saying, you know, ask me a question. I love how he says, uh, I didn't understand the question. Yeah, ask a question yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. What do you think? I mean, uh, I've been reading the reports in the last week or so about people saying, don't let Scott Robinson leave England without giving him the English job and that Eddie's being lined up for a six-year deal to coach uh, the US of A. So much to unfold over there. I'm one of these people who says, I'd like to see Scott Robinson go and coach England. It's one 27, the FIFA World Cup. We're going to talk to former All White Noel Barkley next here on SENZ. 1.32 on SENZ and the SEN app, wherever you are around Australia and New Zealand. Welcome into the Sunday afternoon with Stephen McIver. Uh, Graham's on the line, 0800 150811. I think he wants to talk about the, the coaching situation in rugby, don't you, Graham? Yeah, yeah, it'd be good, Stephen. How are you, mate? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, um, I, don't, I don't think we've ever had at any one time in the history of professional rugby in the world, you know, since the 90s, you know, so many coaches um, hanging sort of um, by a thread or, you know, you look at Ian Foster here, do I mention it? You know, and then you got Dave Rennie in Australia and, um, 
Eddie Jones and, you know, now Wayne Pivak, you know, he's um, I'm pleased for him, you know, um, you know, managed to pull one back last night, so, um, but, you know, Gatlin's been talked about now as Warren Gatlin, one of your Waikato boys. Well, what, um, what, what do you make of that? That's, I mean, we know that the, the whales can be pretty ruthless because they, they, they are like uh, they like success, like anything, and they, they don't mind chopping and changing. No, they don't. No, they, they yeah, they 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 rugby mad like New Zealand. Well, people think it's not as much, but it is in a way still the same. But it has changed a lot. But the Welsh are, you know, very rugby orientated. Even though football's strong there, and they don't, but they don't mind chopping and changing. Whereas here, it's always, you know, it's it's not done quickly usually or, or easily. Whereas in Wales, they um, a bit like um, you know, Premier football, you know, in Britain itself. Wider Britain, you know, um, they don't muck around. Wales, you know, they, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it seems to me that, yeah, they're obviously desperate to, you know, PVAX lost lost the lost the faith of the, you know, the powers that be. You know, I think anything could happen there. Would you would you like to see Gatlin go back? Do you think that's the right move? Full stop. <laughs> well, you know, it's hard to say. Say from here, but it could be. I, I, you know, I think Wayne Pivak. You know, a lot of people speak highly of him, but you know, coaching positions are like, you know, when they when people go overseas, um, it doesn't always work out. Even they can be brilliant with one team, and you know, he was, you know, he wasn't a world beater here, but you know, he did a pretty good job with the Blues, if I remember, and came came through. You know, Northland. And and I was a very popular man, Wayne Pivak. But yeah, I think yeah, I think it's quite probable that, and you know, it might be the best move for them, Warren Gatland. You know, because he's had success Let's with the Lions, and maybe he'll have the respect that 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 they need to get to actually do something at the World Cup because they are falling behind a bit. Yeah, and and um, and, and, and it's, it would probably for me be a stopgap. Okay, one final thought: raised to England, yes or no? <laughs> What when you when you're asking me, do you think do you think he'll definitely go? Or, no, what, what or do you what do you not? want? What do you think? I, I think he should oh, go. Well, I think I, he should I think, go. I think there's a ch- I personally think there's a good chance he might be the um, All Black coach still. Yeah, I mean I I do um, because I I don't I think there's a lot of um, speculation going on. Um, you know I think if he goes, good luck to him. Um, he goes because we've got one more year with him here at the Crusaders. Obviously we all love him and. Um, well, you might, not, you might him, not. You might not. You might not. You never know. <laughs> oh no, 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 no! Always, he's he's a man that we uh, hold in the highest esteem, and he's he's given it a good nudge with trying to get the All Black job. So, um, all right, if he goes, but but I still think he could get there, you know, because I mean, there's a little bit of water to go under the bridge Uh-oh. with these I'd, appointments. I'd like to see him go to England. Graham, thanks for your call as always, mate. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. If you've got anything to talk about, okay, time to turn our attention towards the FIFA World Cup. And overnight, our cousins across the ditch. Got their first win, puts them second in the group. Australia versus Tunisia. Goodwin gets a crossing, takes a deflection, and it's on targets! Get out! Mitch Duke gets his head onto it for Australia. Craig Goodwin had a look up, he saw the cross, took a touch, played it in, had a slight deflection, and Mitch Duke, Australia's Duke, nods it home. Tunisia looking to spring a counter down to Jabali, who's suddenly inside the area, shifting onto his right. Masakni and the sliding challenge from Harry Sutar blocking the shots. Tunisia from one end to the other, like lightning. Tries to split the gap in midfield and follows up nicely with the challenge to keep possession with Australia. Now Irvine going forward. He's got Goodwin to his left. 
Dukes in the middle. Great win. Through and past the goalkeeper. No one on the end of it for Australia. Capitalism. Connect much going forward. Although. Good one. Over although. to Jamie McLaren. Left edge of the box. Needs a run. Good back cross. Post comes in. Oh. And the slide. The effort from Matthew Leckie just went past his boots. Agonizingly. Well. So he'd be the most capable. Oh, oh error from Kai Rolls. He's fallen over. It's comical for Australia. Well, Sutar to come across. Oh, again, Harry Sutar. He's done well, Harry Sutar, to recover. Legs. Dashing away is Keshrida for Tunisia. From right back to the edge of the box, Keshrida. Someone put a challenge on him. Some... Someone clear the ball. It's Sleety. Someone. One way to the other. Oh. His shot is blocked, and Australia clear their lines. That's heart attack for Tunisia. Here they go again. Tunisia. Right flank, Ketrida advancing, cuts the cross back in, Kazri with the shot, saved, it was straight at the goalkeeper, Matt Ryan dives on it. He's a magnet, Matt Ryan, all of a sudden. Oh, yes. And the final score, Australia 1, Tunisia 0, which means Australia sits second behind France in Group D. France have already qualified for the knockout rounds, we'll talk more about that in a moment, with Noel Barclay played 20 matches, he always thinks scored five goals and joins us around. G'day, Noel, how are you? I'm well, Stephen. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Do you believe that result we just heard? Uh, well, it please everybody, but I've got a bit of a soft spot for Australia winning. Um, you know, one, because it's sort of, you know, they're our closest neighbours, and obviously we've had a couple of games against them lately, and it was pretty close. And I've played against Graham Arnold many times, um, and he, he was a fantastic player, and um, he's been much ridiculed in Australia. Um, for the, the qualifying series, and it was just yeah, quite quite great. It was good to see them win um, last night, and and what a fantastic goal as well from from Duke. Um, so yeah, good, good to see them, and you know they're in the melting pot in the, in the third game as as many are. Yeah, I mean they're in they're in the mix now, right? But there's a lot of talk already going on about Harry Souter and the way he defended like a demon overnight. Yeah, he was outstanding. Um, um, you know, especially for a championship player. Um, Tunisia, like you know, I mean, they, they you would have expected them to beat Australia last night. That was a bit of a, a surprise result, um, but I think they defended amazing. Um, Ran also um, amazing in goal, and um, yeah, look, I mean, they've they've got a sniff now. It's been, I think, two two thousand and six since they've actually got out of the group. So uh, this group's pretty motivated, quite a talented bunch, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm hoping that they get there. But it would be, would it be incredible for them to get out of the group? Am I right in saying there are no Premier League players in this Australian squad? Um, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's, I mean, they're all over the show. I mean, quite a few of them are sort of still, I mean, good ones still playing in the A-League, you know, for, for Adelaide. So, you know, they're, they're all over the, as is Leckie, you know, so you're just, like they, they are, they're a bit of a, a mixture like, like um, we are, you know, players from all around the world, MLS making up the numbers and um, here they are competing. And, uh, you know, they, 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 they did really well against France and, you know, who's, who's going to stop Mbappé at the minute? It's almost unplayable. And they find that out, and um, again, it was the same again this morning. So uh, they, look, they've got a chance, and I think draw might be enough for them if, if results go the right way. And um, yeah, wouldn't it be great? Um, as I said, it doesn't please everybody, but I just like to see them go well. Yeah, I mean, the other thing too is when you look at teams that are stamping their imprint on the tournament. You look at France already, don't you? They had that 4-1 win against the Australians, then a 2-1 to get a, today against Denmark Mbappe, getting his a double. That's seven goals and nine World Cup appearances, but they just look a little juggernaut-like, don't they? Yeah, which is a bit surprising. You know, when you lose Kante, Pogba, and most importantly Benzema right before the tournament, um, you got to wonder that um, you, you sort of thought that they might be 
grubbing off, but uh, they look good. And again, with Mbappe, is I mean, he's unplayable. Ian. If you give him space, he'll kill you. If you get too tight, he'll still kill you. So, yeah, I mean, they're one of the favourites. But I mean, this this World Cup looks really even. There's really you can throw a blank, you can throw a blanket across Brazil. Um, Spain, um, France, maybe Portugal. You haven't really done that well in the first game. So I, I think any one of those four could could win it. Um, but of course, you know, when you've got tight games and penalty shootouts and all that sort of stuff, anything can happen. I think the big surprise is, is, is Germany. Germany looked like they might go out tomorrow, I think, to, to Spain. I just can't see how Germany can beat Spain. Um, but it'd be interesting to see. I mean, you, <laughs> things change on the day, of course, and Germany has to win. So yeah, as I so far it's a, there's been lots of upsets, and um, yeah, I think the second weekend we've started the football started to take over the narrative of all of the things that aren't right and so on, and that's a good thing. You talk about Spain and they've got seven on Costa Rica. Now that could have been the All Whites, right? Uh, but but yeah, and uh, I, sort of, I saw a couple of smart tweets today. You know, we would have lost ten and all that. Honestly, we wouldn't have lost ten because one thing Danny Hay did is, is teach our team how to defend well. Uh, we might have struggled to score against them, but um, yeah, look, Costa Rica were awful. I mean, they were just awful. They looked like a completely different team that played against us. They weren't that great against us either, to be fair. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, that would have been a tough group for the All Whites, and I would have, it would have been great for them to be there. But um, it, it is it is an awful group um, with you know, Germany and Japan. I mean, yeah, there's some scary. I mean, it, it, they could get absolutely murdered in Costa Rica if they don't man up. Yeah, uh, but talk to me about Japan. I mean, that result. Do we cons- I mean, they're, they're calling it one of the, apart from the Saudi result against Argentina, they're talking about that as being one of the great upsets. But from your knowledge of Japanese football, is that such a big result? I wasn't surprised. Um, I think people, Japan produce footballers now, so there's a bunch of them in Germany. And, in, and there's, I think um, there's three or four at Celtic. So they're basically exporting players all around the world. So And their J-League is pretty good. Japan, obviously, most likely the best team in, in, in Asia. Um, so, you know, they're in the top 20 in the world. So it, it wasn't a surprise to me. This German, I mean, this team really hasn't performed that well. And they look beatable. <clears throat> and they're not great at the back. And they, they, they don't really have that star quality that it had before. So it, for me, it wasn't a surprise. All right, let's talk about Group C. Yeah, where, 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 let's let's talk about Group C now, shall we, Noel? Where Poland and Argentina are at the well. Argentina have three, Saudi Arabia have three, but Saudi Arabia uh, got the got the loss today. Not got the loss; they were beaten two 0 So whether the the leader of Saudi Arabia gives them all the Rolls Royce phantoms that he promised them after they got that win against Argentina, who knows? Poland, a dark horse, yes or no? No, I don't like Poland. Um, they were lucky. <laughs> I love how you say that. Mexico. Nah, don't like Poland. <laughs> yeah, and no, I don't like. I mean, Lewandowski in plus ten, really. Um, I mean, he missed a penalty there, which would have which would have meant they've been in six points. I think they've missed a the boat. Um, I think they they lose against Argentina, um, and um, you know they who knows on goal difference they could be in trouble. Um, they, they 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 weren't great against Mexico, but then Mexico weren't great either. You know, they just they huffed and puffed today and. And I have to say that Argentina, despite winning and scoring a couple of fantastic goals, they still didn't they didn't look like they could be a threat in this tournament. But, you know, lots of people have made those predictions before. Wow. I mean, are, you, are you calling out Argentina as not being a threat? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think they've got... They have, I mean, apart from Messi and Di Maria and touches today, they look pretty blunt. 
Um, they just wore Mexico down, and it took a bit of brilliance. I, I can't see how they can, can win that tournament. I mean, Brazil have got three or four hundred million pound players on the bench. I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches, and I just think when it comes to the crunch, um, despite the passion between those both those nations, I see Brazil being way on top. When you look at someone like Messi, I, I found this stat. I want you to tell me about the stat. Tell me about, I mean, it's, it, it'll probably be an obvious answer about this, but out of this game, have a listen to this. 88% pass accuracy, 64 touches, 36 complete, completed passes, uh, one key pass and key assist, one goal, and eight ground duels won. Has now scored eight World Cup goals, as many as Maradona did. Tell me what you think of this player. That's one game, and he's done many, many more in the various leagues that he's played of. Where, where does he sit? Um, I'm a bit of a Ronaldo fan. So oh, I'm my gosh. Because I'm a Man United fan. But like I, 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 I think they're both incredible. I mean, Messi's just equal Maradona's goal-scoring record, same goals, same number of games. Um, and Messi's still going, right? So he's, you know, he's not finished yet. And I mean, despite the fact I don't think they'll win the tournament, he's still got a big part to play. They're, they're sort of a bit lost without him. Um, and he, he, he plays, they sort of cater for him now. He stays high, so he doesn't have to do tracking and chasing and tackling. And so, although in today, he was in the mix, you know, he was getting fouled a lot and so on. So, look, he, he's um, he's incredible. Um, and you just, you never underrate him or under. Uh, write him off. Same as Ronaldo, you know. Same as Portugal. You, you might say he's finished, and he's thirty-seven, and blah blah blah. But all of a sudden, he'll just smack one in, or do a header, and uh, the game's over. So, look, he's amazing, and um, um, I take my hat off to him. All right, oh, let's just quickly look at what's happening up. Japan, Costa Rica. Japan too good for Costa Rica. Yeah, plus three for me. Wow. Okay, Belgium, Morocco. Belgium one nil over Canada. Morocco nil with Croatia. I thought that was a pretty handy result for them. Yeah, and that's a very, very open group. Um, Belgium, very disappointing. Um, I, I thought they got completely outplayed by Canada. Um, Canada, um, John Herdman, obviously a former um, um, coach of the of the football ferns in, in New Zealand, um, and a great guy, and um, his son is going to play for New Zealand one day because he's, he's a Kiwi. Um, and, um, yeah, we've got, got, got a bit of a soft spot for um, Canada, so I see Canada definitely sort of getting through. I actually think they'll beat Croatia. Oh wow! Okay, and Spain, Germany, uh, Spain too good. Yeah, I mean, but you never know. Estimate. You never know, right? Because of the quality of the opposition. Yeah, but they just think that Germany need to win, and I think the problem with that will be that they'll be attacking and they'll try to, and I think they'll get undone. Spain have just got too many wizards on the ball. And Gavi and Busquets, and they've, been, they've just got tons of them, and and I think um, it, it's two 0 Spain, and and uh, we descend. I've got to say, without all the, uh, the the controversy of this, that, and the other, the footy being put on is pretty good. To think that that game, uh, the mess, the Messi game, had eighty eight thousand nine hundred and sixty six players, which is the sorry fans, which is the highest total since the final in the US about twenty eight years ago when they had ninety four thousand footballers alive and well. Okay, just quickly, Manchester United, they did the right thing with Ronaldo, I believe. One hundred percent. He 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 dug us on grave, and we're better off for it. And obviously, there's lots of good stuff happening beyond that. Not because of Ronaldo, with the Glazers wanting to sell. So, in a happy space. Do you do you think that whoever buys them will allow fans to buy in? 
No, I don't. I, like, I don't think so. I mean, like, I mean, everybody. Look, you know, nobody. <laughs> it's funny. Liverpool came on the market, and nobody's interested in Liverpool. Man United came on the market, and everybody's interested. Which is that's really just about global support. Um, I think Jim Radcliffe. Um, he, he's a billionaire and got loads of money, and he's a Man United fan, and he's a smart businessman. That's a better option than, than Americans that don't know football, um, or you know. Um, from the Arab states that really just sort of it's a bit like a bit of a trinket so um, I hope the right the right buyer buys it from a business point of view rather than just throwing money at it because we, we realise that that doesn't work I just, just briefly though uh, Noel I wonder though the Glazers you know obviously they like they like to make money but they just realise that you know the Premier League is an expensive an expensive place to be and player wages I mean does that something that needs to be under control and maybe have a soft cap yeah, I, I've always thought that, but unfortunately, the TV money keeps going up, and and it makes the whole thing sustainable. I mean, I think what they've they've got to now. I mean, they're so hated and ridiculed, um, and obviously for the last seventeen years, it hasn't bothered them. But when you when you bought something for half for five hundred million, and all of a sudden it's worth five to nine billion, you know, <laughs> and these guys are getting on, you know. I mean, they're they're not young, so take the money, you know. So it's, they've done great. Um, I haven't put a penny in and they've taken half a billion out. So, yeah, look, Man United fans, we're very, very pleased to see them go. Mate, I appreciate your time as always. Did you enjoy the Women's uh, Rugby World Cup and your role there? Oh, man, I'm I'm, I'm still on a high. And I struggled with the first week of the the football because I was still, you know, watching Ruby Tui on clips and videos and picking up the medal that they gave her in, in Monaco. And it was just the most amazing fine i've been to eight world cup finals and that was the best world cup final i've been to um and um yeah it was just a great thing for also for women's professional sport and a, and a real game changer and yeah privilege to be a part of it all right well done mate appreciate the time as always noel cheers david have a good day yeah you too noel barclay former all right giving us his thoughts on manchester united and of course uh the fifa world cup which continues and don't forget you get commentary here on scnz as well it's 10 to 2 Heading towards 1.55 on a Sunday. G'day to Jason over there in Melbourne, Victoria, who's listening on the SCN app. And if you are listening in Australia and you want to comment particularly about your the win against Tunisia, feel free to call us on 0800 150 or however you do it through the end. How do they ring us from Australia, mate? Is it What do they do? Benny? The, the, the very cool thing with the app is if you go on the SCNZ frequencies, there's actually an option to call and text. So if you are in Australia, you just hit that button for the call or text. It will come up with the number or whatever, and, you, and you're through. We okay, get quite so, a few people calling through. Okay, so if you're in Australia and you want to talk about uh, the, the win against Tunisia in the World Cup, feel free to call us this afternoon here in New Zealand and have a yarn. Coming your way after 2 o'clock, we're going to talk to former Black Sox skipper Reese Casely about day two and the Black Sox form so far. One one match, one win. They play at 3 o'clock this afternoon against the USA. And we'll also talk to Brad Mosen, midget, midget legend. They had Speedway last night at Western Springs and they've got a lot more coming your way over the summer. So there's a lot to talk to. Plus we'll get some thoughts from Graham Arnold uh, after that win against Tunisia in the World Cup. So there's a lot coming your way and you can be a part of it. 0800 150 or you can text on double eight double three. Alrighty, this is Sunday Afternoons on SCNZ and the SCN app around Australia. If you want to have a chat to us, 0800 in New Zealand or get on the app and call us because you can do that on the SCN app on Australia. 
Day two of the World Softball Championships out there in North Harbour in Auckland. And uh, just a quick reminder of what happened on day one. Japan 11-0 over South Africa. The USA beat the Philippines 1-0. Argentina 3-1 against Cuba. Australia 7-0 against Denmark. They played Japan a little bit later on. It's the last match of the day. New Zealand, uh, the Black Sox, uh, seven-time world champions, get the uh, opening win against Czech Republic 3-1 and Canada 3-2 against Venezuela. The man that has won a world championship hit the Black Sox to World Championship and is their former skipper, uh, the, uh, the honey man, Mr. Manuka Health. Buzz, Reese Cassidy joins me now. G'day, buddy. <laughs> hey, Stephen. How are you, mate? I think I am good, mate. I think Buzz suits you, doesn't it? Do you think Buzz suits you since you work in, in the honey game now? Yeah, honestly, I'm not, I'm not sure what what, uh, what would change anything if my answer was no, because that's what you call me anyway. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> what did you make across the board of the, the quality of softball in this uh, World Softball Championship? Yeah, pretty um, pretty impressive, to be honest. Uh, there, there was uh, Obviously, there was no no real big upsets on day one, but there was uh, some really close games, uh, none more so than, uh, obviously, Canada, Venezuela, and Argentina and Cuba. And that Cuba side was up one nothing against the World Championship uh, uh, winning side from last time, Argentina, one nothing going into the seventh inning. So, um, you know, pretty evenly spread. Uh, and and this, one, this one's really up for grabs and pretty open. Yeah, Cuba are at the moment top of the fifth, leading the Czech Republic 5-0. Talk to me about Cuba. Yeah. I, I thought they were more like their baseball than their softball. Yeah, the, the South American uh, nations, uh, the Latino nations, have really, really uh, uh, grown strong within within international softball over the last, you know, probably probably decade to be honest. And, and we saw it with Venezuela uh, when they, you know, competed for the, the championship game uh, back in 2013 against us. So um, yeah, they've, they've really been coming strong. They do have a really rich baseball uh, heritage um, in history, uh, but but that just really lends them to to being able to switch over to softball, I suppose, uh, growing up with a diamond sport. Argentina defending champions. They get the win yesterday, 3-1 over Cuba. Uh, They will face the Philippines later on today. Why so strong? Is it again what you mentioned about Latin nations? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They they really um they focus pretty strong on, on their grassroots and their juniors. Uh, um, quite a quite a novel concept, isn't it? Really. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and they won um they've won they've won the last two junior cycles. Um, and, and now we're seeing all of those junior players really really come up through the ranks and, and starting to crack the senior team. And uh, no, no surprise to me that those guys will be uh, will, will be there on the final day and that they won last time as well. Well, easy to understand that we would like to focus on the Black Sox, fourth in the last mm. World Championships. They they start with a strong 3-1 win against the Czech Republic. What mm. did you make of it? What did you like? What didn't you like? Yeah, good question. There was, there was a bit of everything in there for me. Um, they do look good. It was a good Czech Republic side. I think... Um, you know, it, it probably wasn't the perfect performance. It was, certainly wasn't the perfect performance. But what, what we saw from them was they blooded a few uh, new guys. And the Czech Republic are a good side with good pitching. Uh, they started young Tane Mumu uh, at second base, his first time at a world championship. And he was their lead-off hitter. He led off with a double, beautiful hit. Uh, so, so, so that was a real highlight. Uh, Reese Evans, and, and another one, uh, the, the older brother of Captain Cole Evans, came on in the sixth inning uh, and, and got a nice hit as well. So, so that was really good to see those young players uh, uh, come up and, and really lead the way for them. Um, Daniel Chapman on the mound obviously was a pretty big question mark going into this one, given that he only had back surgery six months ago. Um, you know, and he struggled. He, he battled through some adversity. He walked a lot of uh, a lot of batters, but he also he also got himself out of trouble, which is what I liked. He threw hard. 
uh, but he did struggle to find the zone. So uh, there's lots to like about this team. Um, and, and I think, uh, you know, with, with a little bit of luck, and obviously everyone's going to need a little bit, uh, they, they can certainly be there on the final day. I find that interesting that you said he struggled, because I looked at the numbers and went, oh, that's all right. Pitched six mm. innings, two hits, 13 strikeouts, uh, gave out one yep. run. Uh, so yep. that, that, that doesn't tell the full story. No, it certainly doesn't. And, and well, you know, I, I think um, if, if I look back on the box score for that game, he, he walked it, he walked the leadoff hitter four out of the first six innings. Uh, now, that's he, he just put himself mm. under pressure. Right. Uh, he hit two batters also. So, you know, there were seven base runners in the first six innings that were allowed to that uh, Czech Republic side purely by not throwing strikes. Right. Um, but that said, a definite, you know, a, a work on for him. He certainly won't be happy. Uh, but he got himself out of trouble, which is what I like. Okay, uh, who's the catcher for the Black Sox? Uh, Tewita Bishop started last night. Um, obviously, Tewita has come back to us uh, from baseball, um, made his Black Sox debut back in Crikey when I was playing in 2011, wow, I believe. Wow, that long, that long ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that, Stephen. You're welcome. Um, yeah, um, and, and he's come back to us uh, after after a stint in baseball, and uh, he he looks really solid behind the plate. It's going to take him a little while to find his feet as well, but just the presence he brings, I, I think as, uh, he brings a certain mana, certain leadership to that side, uh, and that's an exciting selection too. Yeah, I, because I think for me, when I look at that, that's the one one position sometimes casual observers forget is probably yeah. one of the key positions, and 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 almost a almost a. A, technic, a, a tactical position too, very tactically important. Hugely tactical. I mean, you, you know, if, uh, probably of relevance at the moment, the, the Football World Cup. You, you're not going to win too many games with a with a with a, yeah, with a bad goalkeeper, are you? Um, and uh, you know, probably similar uh, in the softball game. They're not often seen, uh, but out on the diamond and out on the field, often heard from. All right, let's talk about the, who they play today. They're up against uh, the USA. Uh, went mm. down, they they went down. Uh, no, excuse me, they won. Philippines one nil. Uh, USA, yeah, yeah. notably a baseball nation, but also as you yep. have played, you've played in, in the New York region. Uh, you know how strong softball is in certain mm. areas. What do you make of this showdown today? And do New Zealand have to be careful? Absolutely, it, it's. Um it's, it could be a real banana peel wow. for our boys uh, today. The, the, um, the U.S. has has put a lot of energy back into their men's program. Obviously, they have a professional women's league over there, and, and it's huge in, uh, within the college arena in, in, in North America. Uh, so, you know, they've put a lot of time and resource back into their men's program, and they, they have a really, really good defensive and hitting lineup. Uh, their pitching is, is their big question mark. Um, and, and that's where the Black Sox, I think, today will look to uh, re- really look to overpower them, uh, is with their, on, on the hitting side. I get the I get the impression you're undecided about the Black Sox. I know it's only day two. There's a long way to go, right? Mm. I get all that, mm-hmm. but I, I get the impression that you're not convinced at this point. Um, am what, I, what am I, I being too harsh? No, no, I don't, I don't think you are. I, I think um, I, I think what I am convinced of is that when I look at the teams on paper and, and I match up the the, the the top five, six teams, and there truly is five, six, seven teams that could win this thing, uh, do we do we stack up and are we as good, if not better, than, than all of them? Uh, my answer to that, I'm pretty firm in, in that it is yes. We still have the best hitters. Um, our, our, our big question mark is with our pitching. Um, you know, the, the, especially with Daniel Chapman just coming off, the, off back surgery now, 
with between him and Josh Pettit, can they win a big game? And will they win a big game? A- absolutely, they can. Uh, and and I, I mentioned before that they've got into a little bit of luck, but but so is everybody, right? Um, this thing is, is is really as wide open as I've seen it, um, to be honest. Wow. Uh, okay. So if it's that wide open, and you and you've you've seen mm. what teams doing, do you like the looks of Japan? And what about what about our perennial our perennial enemies who we beat six five in that Palmerston North warm up, Australia? Do they look mm. as strong as they have always been? Yeah, they do. Um, so Australia won, ended up winning that tournament yeah, down Palmerston North with the top six sides. So uh, again, they've, they've still got Adam Folkard there now. You know <laughs> what could really hurt them is, is Folkard got he hurt himself yesterday in the second inning of, of their uh, their hit out against uh, Denmark. Uh, he he came off and he was icing up his arm. So so that could be a huge blow to them if, if Adam is not able to go or participate any further. Uh, he, he's, he's a battler, mate. He's, he's a horse. He, he will go where he can. He'll go until he breaks. Um, but will he, can, will he, can he be effective? I'm not sure. Yet to, yet to be seen. So so they, they're, they're going to be strong. Uh, they've got some great hitters. Um, yeah, and, and to answer your question, read Japan. Um, I mean, those guys are just scrappers. They will, they will be there on the final day. Yeah, the the Folkard situation does it remind you of your situation back in thirteen when you were you were a bit busted and still still got the win? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess I guess it does. And speaking with the Australian manager yesterday after the game, you know, him and I had a, a sit down and a good chat, and he was sort of telling me they've been nursing him for a little while with Adam. So he's obviously come in with a little bit of a niggle. Uh, you know, he's he's not getting any younger. His, his shoulder's got a lot of miles on it. Um, you know, so so that's something that they're going to have to nurse through. But uh, you know, pitching's obviously a little different than hitting. Uh, and, and if his arm is hurting him, it's his pitching arm. Um, you know, that'll be really tough for him to 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 really uh, take much to take further part. You know, softball's one of those games, Reese, that we all grew up with, right? And it was it was almost part of a staple many many years ago on the telly, and, and we now see it on Fakata Māori Television, which is cool, right? But do you have you in the last let's say let's since the last time we, we worked together in 2013 with the World Cup, have you seen a growth in the game globally? Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and what we've seen is some, a lot of nations. Uh, that, that never used to compete, uh, and, and it used to be almost almost warm up games for these bigger sides. Uh, you take the Czech Republic yesterday, you know the, the Black Sox having to really start their top side against them. That, that, that's that's almost unheard of um, for, for for many years ago. Yeah. Uh, all these South American sides. So uh, in terms of the growth uh, nationally, I, I think we've we've held a steady number, and, and we we still have the same playing numbers that we used to have. Uh, but the talent has just has just grown and spread uh, throughout the globe. All righty, uh, let's talk about something that you love, finding finding areas, finding for manuka trees for, for honey. How's that going at the moment, pal? Uh, yeah, we're, we're, um, we're right in, getting right into our busy season, actually. So obviously as the summer comes on, the flowers start to start to explode. And, you know, as the heat comes with that, the nectar comes also. So that's when our bees need to get out and feed on, on that, uh, that beautiful manuka nectar. And um, we're, all, all of our beekeepers and management team are, are out placing hives all around the country at the moment, mate, in some pretty special places. So that's oh, yeah, cool. that was my next question. I still remember this lovely discussion we had about you telling me that uh, it was in the Marlborough Sounds, am I correct? You had you had a yeah, friend right. that you had a friend, but you had to take the bees in the morning because they had to be asleep, and you had them on barges and things like that. Yep. Uh, so mm-hmm. is that is that area still running? Yeah, it is. It's a it's a it's a little island called Poanui Island uh, down in the Polaris Sounds. Well, it's not, actually not little. It's about five thousand uh, acres. <laughs> um, and yeah, we're. 
funnily enough, uh, um, you asked about that. We we just placed that one a couple of days ago. Took the took the hives across from Bledham on a barge. Oh wow! And, um, you know, took the took the vehicles across and drove them all around this island, and they'll be there for the next probably six to eight weeks. And uh, hopefully, we get some good weather and, and they can make some nice honey for us. Oh, okay. So that's you've just taught me something. So you don't. So you get them there, they produce, and then you bring the hives. Where did, then you take the hives away. Yeah, we take them back to what we call wintering sites. Uh, not not technically wintering, but just off season sites. Uh, so so the bees need the bees need food and forage to be able to sustain their their hive and and, and their queen. So yeah. um, you know, we, once once the manuka flower is gone, generally speaking, there's not a lot of other resource around these these manuka farms or areas uh, for the bees to feed on. So we need to get them back onto another another flow, so uh, so to speak, so we call it. Um, and that could be any 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 nectar any nectar resource. So we need to get them. To keep them healthy, that's where we've got to take them. In your wildest dreams, did you ever think that you'd be searching for manuka no. to find bees? No, no, <laughs> absolutely not. I, um, <laughs> I tell you, I, I knew I knew very little. Uh, had some hives in my place uh, when I first came into this industry, but but man, what an eye opener and what just what an amazing creature uh, the honeybee is. Uh, just learning. You know, learning about the nature uh, aspect of it. Um, you know what what uh, what Mother Earth provides to us uh, on, on a daily basis. It's uh, it, it's pretty neat, and I'm and I'm blessed to work for a great company, Manuka Health. Okay, got one one more question. What what's the other craziest location that you found? Oh, mate, um, <sighs> Come we on. are we we are we are in the in the in the most backwoods farms and countries that you could ever imagine, like places <laughs> that not many New Zealanders would ever get to go. Uh, from the from the Waitotra Valley, we we have a beautiful station called uh, Rimanui Station, uh, which is fantastic. We've actually done a bit of planting there as well, um, and that's uh, that's the longest dead end road in in New Zealand. Uh, <laughs> that's just north of uh, Whanganui, uh, South Taranaki. Um, yeah, you, you, I, it's hard to even put into words. Best job in the world, best bloke in the world. I appreciate your time as always, Reese. Have a great call this afternoon on the Black Sox versus the USA, mate. I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you very much. You're more than welcome. Reese Casley, world champion, uh, ex-Black Sox skipper, and one of the nicest blokes going around, uh, and, and hunts for man- manuka trees. Don't, that's why it's called entertainment, mate. SENZ, sports entertainment, right? And I remember the story he told me, Ben, about this, and I was I was fascinated. You know, like he just repeated, they put the bees back on the barges to go to this little Puanui Island in the Marlborough Sounds because he knew a mate who had a small station of 5,000 5, hectares. And so they have to do, they have to take the bees there to keep them quiet because they're sleeping, right? And they've got to get them. And so it's a, like it's almost like a 24-hour a exercise, bees on trucks, you know. We're not talking one or two hives. We're talking multiple hives, trucks' worth of hives to get out there. And it's just fascinating. When's his episode of Country Calendar starting? <laughs> Actually, that's a very good call. Yeah, Reese Kessley, Buzz, B-Man, and uh, champion, a champion bloke too. Interestingly, he talked about Adam Folkard, the pitcher for the uh, Australian side, because if you remember, or you may not remember, 2013 when he helped them win the championship, uh, he was busted. He was all over the place and led them when he, I think he had a triple um, to get them home. And then I was there. I was, I was very blessed to be there. And it was, you know, you have sporting moments in your life or in this country, and that was one of the good ones. And the Black Sox won. So, but I'm intrigued to understand that he's not totally convinced about the mess. He's got the hitting power, just concerned about the pitches. I just like that you're playing to the audience because it's an Australian company. No. Talking, you're talking about the Aussies a lot today. No, oh, well, no, not got nothing to do with that. <laughs> or, well, how, hang on, hang on. D- don't be like that. How could you not talk about Australia winning a World Cup, right? No, that's true. 
How could you not talk about that? We'll actually hear from Graham Arnold shortly, shall we? We'll get some reaction from the man who is much maligned in Australian football circles. It's 2.17. If you've got some thoughts about anything you've just heard about the Black Sox chances at the Softball World Cup, then feel free to call 0800 150811. If you're an Australian softball fan listening on the SEN app, go to the app, call us and tell us what you think. And uh, that would be a lot of fun too. 2.21 on a Sunday afternoon around New Zealand and Australia on the SEN app, or if you're listening on the SENZ app. Good afternoon to you. Stephen McIver, Ben Francis here till 5. Uh, you would have heard us, Ben, having a crack at me, saying because the company's an Australian company, we've been talking about Australia a lot. Well, why wouldn't you talk about Australia having beaten Tunisia in a World Cup football match 1-0 over? And I put some at second position in their group, which is Group D, sitting behind France, who beat Denmark 2-1 and have already qualified for the round of 16 so there you go here's Graham Arnold after the win what I've just been told it's the first clean sheet we've held at a World Cup since 1974 which is crazy but uh, at the end of the day it's uh, it's just one game and as I said before uh, in the press conference yesterday and everything that I I do believe that uh, the best friendly match we could have ever had was against France because we uh, would get we got punished for our mistakes uh, today. Obviously, the opposition was wasn't as good as the world champions, but I felt that uh, our performance, our fight, and our grit and our determination, the old Aussie way, was uh, uh, very important tonight. And uh, I'm very very proud of the boys. Well, we've got to see what the result is tonight. Obviously, um, with uh, France against Denmark, but uh, nothing will change for us. We will focus on ourselves and focus on uh, making sure that we get ourselves right. That uh, and that's what I said to the boys when I got them in a circle after the game. Is I'm very proud, but we've achieved nothing at this moment. Yes, obviously we can talk after about you know one win and. Uh, it hasn't been done for 12 years and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, I'm here and we're here to go as far as we can go. So that one game is done and I don't want any emotion from the players. I don't want them sitting up all night watching social, uh, looking at social media and all that stuff. It's about <clears throat> getting uh, sleeping well, recover well and get the mindset ready for Denmark. Yeah, look, I just said to them that uh, no doubt the, the nation is ex- extremely proud. And uh, but we've done nothing. It's uh, you've achieved something we can talk about after the tournament. But we're here to go as far as we can go. I don't want any celebration. Just enjoy this couple of minutes with the fans, the Australian fans here in the in the stadium. Get yourself in the dressing room, ice baths, recover, <laughs> and get ready for the next one. Very forthright, Graham Arnold, about their win after Tunisia. Did you see on line, Ben, uh, was it a crowd of Australian fans when they scored that goal and there were flares? Was that back in Melbourne somewhere? I, I, I don't know. It, went, it was like this massive, massive crowd. I should have checked a lot a lot closer. Did you see that? I didn't, I it was didn't a very see dark it. sort of video. I, I didn't see uh, for that one, but I did see a similar video, not with flares, though, after they scored against France and they cut to like a fan zone. I think it was in Sydney and just the fans just jumping up and down and going absolutely berserk, like, oh, my God, we're leading France. France. We've scored against France. <laughs> that Harry Souter, were you saying he's come back from an ACL injury and and not a uh, tr- he's an ex qualified for Australia through a grandparent? Yeah, so he's Scottish born, and I think he's currently uh, 
last time I checked, he was at Stoke City, um, and he qualified through a grand period. And last year during the World Cup qualifying, he did his ACL, um, and he's just made his comeback. And uh, what's the reports on the game is how immense he was, and they reckon that he's going to be one of these guys now who Premier League clubs might start looking at that next jump up. Yeah, I'm always I'm always mindful of what Graham Arnold just said. One game, got to keep doing it because uh, you know yesterday's a World Cup. But the likes of the Premier League clubs and the La Liga and all those, they are far more brutal and so many more games. It'll be interesting to watch. It's 2.26. Uh, the other big result of the day was the team that beat them in the first round. Oh, excuse me, was Argentina, who Noel Barkley, who was our expert on earlier today, said he doesn't believe they are good enough. They are good enough to win the World Cup. But this is what they did to Mexico. I don't think the Mexicans can live this deep, Daniel. Trouble brewing. Di Maria, five out from the area, plays it laterally to Messi. He shoots into the bottom right-hand corner. A goal from the heavens from Lionel Messi. Argentina one, Mexico nil. Well, you can't live deep against a side that contains the talent of Lionel Messi. Picking up the ball 20, 25 metres out. One touch and strike into the bottom corner of the net, giving a show and no chance. Messi magic. It's DePaul, will take short to Messi. Messi. Now finds a brilliant strike from the right hand, left hand edge of the area into the top corner. A quite magnificent goal by Enzo Fernandez, announcing himself to the world. And Argentina have beaten Mexico by two goals to nil. How about that, eh? And you don't think they can challenge? We shall wait and see. 2.27. Now, you would have heard Noel talk about John Herdman. He was the former football ferns coach. Well, he is now the Canadian men's head coach. Remember, they lost their opening match to Belgium 1-0, so they will face Croatia. And we picked this up uh, as he looks forward to that second match. Yeah, uh, super excited for a huge, huge match tomorrow. Our team uh, light, bright and clear, ready to go. And uh, it's going to be a defining moment for, I think, Canada in this World Cup. It's uh, one of those do-or-die games now that we have to, we have to perform in to uh, stay at a World Cup. So pretty excited, to, to be honest here. I think, firstly, uh, just privilege. Absolute privilege. I mean, this man is uh, is special. We've just come out of a leadership meeting with him and doing some vulnerability things, and he's just a really special man. Eh? Yeah. Uh, I think all of us are in a moment where we'll we'll be doing this as much for a Tibor as we are to get our three points. I mean, he's uh, he's a legend. Uh, I've had the privilege of being with Sinclair in key moments, and and now Atiba Hutchinson. And, and these are the memories you work hard to, to be part of and we'll do everything we can to give them a great day. This is a massive game. Canada are playing Croatia at a World Cup. We get a chance to play against Modric, Brozovic, Kovacevic. Just great players. Um, yeah, hell of a match coming. Uh, we're going go, we're gonna to have to go after Croatia. Um, and more than newspapers, more than anything, I think 
that's not going to make Modric, Kovacic and Brozovic play better or feel more motivated. What makes those guys um, play better is just the fact that they're the best in the world and they, they want to win the World Cup, I believe. So, I mean, tend that chapter. It's going to be an exciting game. And as I said before, you know, there was times where playing Bermuda was so exciting and now it's Croatia. So it is what it is. That's part of our journey. Um, I think... Uh, we started from the bottom and now we're here and that's just how it is and we're ready for tomorrow and with all due respect to Croatia, they have a very, very good team. It's going to be tough for us, but it's going to be tough for them as well. Canada versus Croatia tomorrow in the FIFA World Cup. It's all live on Sky. Uh, that is Croatia-Canada. So the first game will be Japan versus Costa Rica, Belgium versus Morocco, then Croatia-Canada, and the one that everybody's talking about, will Germany be even the hunt? We'd have to suggest that, well, even historically, despite them losing 2-1 to Japan, uh, they'll face Spain, who put seven, that's right, seven, on Costa Rica in their opening match of this FIFA World Cup. Just a quick update from the uh, base softball World Cup. Uh, at top of the fifth, and it's Cuba leading the Czech Republic uh, 5-0. And at the bottom of the third, Canada uh, lead Denmark 4-0. So Cuba up five and Canada up four on day two of the softball World Cup. 2.35 on a Sunday afternoon with Stephen McIver and Ben Francis. The Black Caps and India second one-day international has just got underway a little late because of uh, weather conditions. Uh, New Zealand won the toss and elected to bowl. And believe it or not, the first uh, the man to bowl is Tim Southey, who leads the side in his 150th one-day international today. And uh, ironically, he's the 150th player worldwide to reach this milestone, Ben. So, you know, it's all about the 150 today. Damn, what a stat 150th to play your 150th that is so cool that that is that would be so good for uh pub quiz wouldn't it or people say like those are the the tui the tui bottle caps <laughs> don't drink that stuff so i wouldn't have a clue well I, I don't drink either uh, but you know <laughs> you, you sometimes see them lying around with the with the questions on there it's kind of like who played for this and at this particular time so who was the 150th player cricket player to play their 150th match and became the 150th player worldwide to do so. That made, I did, did. He's also the 15th New Zealander. <laughs> you couldn't, you know, the problem there, you couldn't fit it on a bottle cap. <laughs> hey, have you got the squads? Can you run through the squads? I know there have been a couple of changes uh, for India. Shadul Thakur and Sanju Sampson are out, and Deepak uh, Shahar and Deepak Huda come in. Yeah, so a couple of changes to both sides is. Uh, as you said there, I've got the Black Caps one yep. up in front of me, so I'll start with that one first. Uh, just one change there, which is Finn Allen, Devin Conway, uh, Kane Williamson, Daryl Mitchell, Tom Latham, Glenn Phillips, uh, Glenn Phillips, Michael Bracewell, uh, which I guess is not a huge surprise because of the, the wicket there at Seddon Park. Uh, Grant Elliott was saying yesterday that out of all the pitches uh, where you probably would play an extra spinner, it would be in Hamilton. Uh, so he comes in for Adam Milne, and then you've got Mitch Santner, Matt Henry, Tim Southey, and Lockie Ferguson uh, rounding out the 11 there. Uh, and then for India, you've got Ashika Darwan and uh, Gil, who are opening the batting there. They've both got one run apiece after that first over. Uh, you've got uh, Rashad Pant, Yadev, Huda, Sunda, uh, Deepak, uh, Imran Malak, uh, Adeep Singh, and Shahal uh, round out the Indian eleven. 
I tell you what's interesting about the the cricket. Now, I'm not a huge cricket follower. I do love the limited form. I'm not a purist, right? I, I make that quite open. But the whole uh, Martin Guptill versus Finn Allen thing, I, I I I feel for Martin Guptill, right? I know he hadn't been in great form, but you know, I Finn Allen hasn't exactly uh, covered himself in glory either, right? So is this about moving towards the one day cup next year? See, and I was I was intrigued to see that uh, Martin Guptill picked up a contract uh, as one of the Melbourne Renegades for the Big Bash, which I think is really exciting for him because he's he like Trent Bolt is going to put himself on the, that circuit, which you can make a pile of cash and and fine, but also make himself available. Uh, but I, I just, I've always, uh, you know, Martin Guptill. Every every player has moments where their form doesn't necessarily, you know, come to the party. Right? It's as simple as that. And I, I feel, I feel for the man his wife calls Guppy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, from the sounds of it, it was uh, one of these opportunities which kind of came up, and I guess you just have to take. Well, I don't know because it obviously when he because he was dropped for the series, right? The series. He obviously there must have been things in the background. I don't think things just happen like that. He must have known that things he would have been told. I don't think I think the communication's probably fine. Stead would have quietly said, Hey mate, this is where we're at. And then not getting any any time in the T twenty World Cup. Well, buying a little fielding and bringing on the water, right? Yeah, so yesterday also on the Saturday session, we had the high performance of New Zealand cricket, Brian Stronich, and he pretty much said, who are we to stand in the way of Martin Guptill at kind of this time of his career? But wow. he, he also, is, that, is that damning or what? It is. Is that not damning at this time of his career? Pretty much, you know, he just thinks, you know, just make that, it's kind of like All Blacks guys that go overseas are at the back end of their, their careers and just want to, you know, make a little bit more pocket money. Uh, oh, before yeah. they hang up the boots. But, but the, the guy has given so much to that uh, white shirt and black shirt and still can perform. Maybe I've misread this completely. If you want to uh, give us a call and, and even think, do you think Martin Gupta was hard done by? Do you think Martin Gupta was hard done by in uh, not being picked and then deciding by, by choice, remember he did it by choice, to go and uh, hop on the, the whole limited overs Bandwagon, then feel free to call me on 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. India are seven without loss at the moment, uh, which is uh, not bad because they haven't even completed one over yet. So uh, that's pretty handy to say, to say the least. And I've got to say, just on a completely t- different tangent, isn't it good to see with the ASB Classic back? in the first week of January, starting the 2nd of January, that uh, former US Open champ Emma Raducanu is is coming to, to town as well. So that's pretty exciting. It's 2.41. Uh, last night was the first night of proper racing at Western Springs Speedway. The Speedway season got underway, I think, a week back at Waikaraka Park, which had a demolition derby last night. So that's, uh, But last night it was back at the Springs. The internationals were there for the sprint cars, but also the midgets and three-time New Zealand midget Grand Prix champion and two-time North Island champion in the midgets. Uh, Brad Mosen picked up a second in the feature race and he joins us right now. G'day Big Bad Brad, how are you? Yeah, good thanks, how are you? Yeah, I'm good mate. Was it nice to be back at the Springs first of all? Yeah, of course. It's always, it's always good to be back at Western Springs. It's um, it's our home track and it's it's where all, all of the family sort of comes to watch us race. So yeah, it's good to be back there. Um, obviously we had the first night, we sort of had to cancel that because of the concert and the ongoing issues with the council, but it was great to be back, and we had a great crowd, and it was it was great racing. So, very good. How are you feeling about the upcoming season, Brad? Or the season, full I'm stop, should I really, say? Yeah, I'm feeling really good. You know, I'm in a good position. I've, I've teamed up with uh, Wayne Green from Greenway Racing. Uh, 
and this is our third season and things are really clicking. So, um, yeah, we're in good shape. You know, we've ran uh, first or second every night this year so far and obviously second last night, like you said. So we're in a good spot. Um, we've got a few things to sort of iron out, but very minor and we're um, we're pretty much challenging for the win each night. So things are going really good and it's going to be good. Well, speaking of challenging for the win, I was told uh, last night you uh, there was a last lap lunge but just couldn't get it done and Aaron Hodgson got the cash. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, young Aaron. He he's a, a young, talented, up-and-coming driver. So he he's paired up with a good team. So he kept us honest last night, and I threw everything, every old old boy trick that I had at him, and he counted everything that I did. And they just had he just had a quicker car in the end. So we ran second, but um, we've got some room to improve as well. So okay. we should be all right. Okay, Brad. Before you throw the old boy trick, how old are you? Thirty-five. Okay, yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a veteran when in the midget ranks. Me and Pickens, we're, we're the two old boys now, so I can say it. And I, <laughs> and I heard Michael returned from his his time in the the USAC and uh, ended up winning the sprint race. Is that right? But uh, rolled his midget yeah. early. Yeah, he had a praying early in the midget, and they they couldn't get it repaired. But they they got back out in the sprint car, and he went and dominated that feature. So. He's on hot form, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm sure if he was in the midget race last night, he would have been mixing it up with me and uh, Hodgson as well. So something to look forward to next weekend. People love rivalries. Has it always been you and, and Michael Pickens? Yeah, as long as I can remember. And then there's, there's been guys like Shane Alec and now Aaron who have come and, came and mixed it up. Um, but historically, at least in my in Michael's era, it's, it's sort of been me and Michael. He's obviously had a little bit more success than I have, but... Um, for the most part, it's been him and I um, mixing it up. Yeah, so he's been a great rival, and um, yeah, he keeps me honest, and and uh, from time to time we keep him honest. So it, it works well. Yeah, and 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 I know, let's be blunt about this, and and you've said it. Michael has had a lot of success, and, and as an, a driver opposing him, what are the things that sets him apart? Uh, he's always put himself in a in the position to win, so. In racing, you know, obviously the driver gets all of the glory, but there's a lot that goes into it. You've got to be with the right team. You've got to have the right crew chief. You've got to have good equipment, and you've got to be in the right mindset as a driver. So um, he's always been good at uh, being with the right team at the right time, and I've sort of felt like I've been one step behind until, well, I've had a few times when I haven't been one step behind Mm -hmm. and and we've been really competitive, and, and now is one of those times. So I'm, I'm really thriving with, with Wayne and the Greenway team and, and it's, um, it's really levelled up the playing field. So sort of proves my point, you know, it's, it's more about the position that you're in and, and now with, with Wayne, um, yeah, we're just, I mean, we're keeping him honest, <laughs> really. So it's, it's really good. So so what, okay, so you talk about Wayne Greenway. So w- what is the difference here? What is making the difference for you being not as competitive to being very competitive and running at the front constantly? Well, literally every time I get in the car, the car is perfect. So um, that's a huge part of it. Um, me personally, as a driver, I'm, I'm in a good um, state of mind. I'm, I'm as fit as I've ever been, running marathons and and working out every day. My life's good. I've got a good partner, a good supportive partner, and a young son. So that's all. Like life's just good. So we're in a good spot. And I don't know. I just feel like when your mind's right and the the car's right, you. You do your best work, so that's exactly where I'm at. Now, I had the opportunity uh, some months ago to hop in Michael Pickens' sprint car, right? And I had a look at the yep. and I and I and I didn't and I've got to be honest with you, I didn't realise how small the 
the cockpit was, and they had to put it a big, uh, open it up a little bit more for my big fat backside, which isn't that big <laughs> yeah. to be fair. Yeah. But you know what I found? You know what I, what happened to me for the first time? I got a little, I got a little bit claustrophobic in there. There's not a oh, okay. there's not a hell of a lot of room in those things, right? No, they're not. They're not designed for you to sort of throw your your arms around. You're just in there to do the job, and <laughs> and it's sort of pretty compact. You know, it's the less material, the less weight. So yeah. Um, but you know, they're pretty compact. Yeah. Did you enjoy it, mate? I, well, I only got eight laps in the sprint car, and I wanted to, I wanted another twenty eight because I felt like I was starting to get a crack. He was doing a, a corporate thing, and we were filming it for Sky Speed, and I I loved it. Eight hundred horses at my back, and I, I it took me a while to figure it out, right? Just a little bit of what you know. Yep. Yeah, I'm sort of walk, the first couple of laps. I'm fiddling with the the wheel and just looking at where the the, the wheels go. And then you, oh, hang on a minute. You got all this power in the rear wheels, and then it became, And I know this. I'm not trying to be a smarty purchase here, but it actually got quite easy once you put the foot down, right, and just hung it in there. But yep. I, but I don't know how you do it in traffic. Yeah, it comes. I remember the first time I drove it. I said, to Dad, that I couldn't even figure out how to get it down the straight full throttle, let alone be racing guys you know but over time you just get used to it and and I, I wouldn't say they feel slow but it definitely slows down enough to sort of position yourself around cars and and set up moves and stuff but yeah, maybe he pulled you out. Maybe he was getting a bit threatened. No, he only <laughs> no, he only mate. He only let me. He only let me do eight laps. But I, what staggered me even more, and you can verify this and maybe give me some numbers. He said actually building a midget is more expensive than building a sprint car. Yeah, it's the midgets is there for the most part handmade uh, sprint cars. While they're handmade, they're sort of mass produced. Uh, in America, and I think they have some stuff that's actually made in China. So the parts are just cheaper. Um, midgets are very finicky, sort of delicate machines, but sprint cars are kind of like the, the tractors of the speedway world. They're just um, quite a bit faster than tractors, but yeah, mass produced, <laughs> and everything's a bit bigger and just bolt together, and yeah, just a bit simpler. So how many how many horses are you are you pushing out of your your sprint car? Sorry, excuse me, your midget. Midgets, there were probably about 380, uh, and then the sprint car, like you say, between eight and a thousand horsepower. Yeah, that's just ridiculous, right? The, I mean, do you are crazy, you yeah. are you solely do you solely concentrate on midgets? Yep, I've raced midgets for I think about 18 or 19 years, but um, I've raced sprint cars a few times and love them every time. So. To be real honest, I've spent the last five years trying to figure out how I can get into a sprint car. Um, so that's still my mission. Um, which I'm hoping to one day uh, see through. But, yes, I would love to get into a sprint car, but predominantly just driving the midget. And and you've got a new teammate with the International Series, Justin Grant, the Californian. Are you excited about that for the, the sort of the Christmas season? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Justin's coming down. He's going to really spice it up because he's he's a really talented driver and, and he's going to bring a lot of energy um, supporting this International Series. It starts on Boxing Day and runs right through just till after... Uh, New Year's, so it's going to be good to have him down here. I think there's a few more coming and maybe some more turn out, which is exciting. So there's going to be plenty of action, and yeah, I, I definitely can't wait to get them down here and, and feed off of, off the energy and the competition and, and just see how we get up. Just finally, Brad, how good is it to have Speedway back, but more importantly, having the internationals and the crowds back? Because racing at the Springs is, is an iconic time, right? Yeah, it is, especially at, like the Christmas period. We get crowds of like close to 15,000 and it's because of the International Series. It just brings so much 
excitement and energy and they have the New Zealand versus Australia and America and it's just like a tradition, you know, and all the Aucklanders come down and it's a family event and it's just a good night's entertainment. So having them down, it's so important for the sport because it brings the, the not regulars, it brings the, the casual fans and we need that to boost the sport and try and keep it at Western Springs because it's the home of Speedway in Auckland. And the Americans, yeah, like you say, it's, it's a huge part of it and we need them. All right, mate. Brad Mosen, you're a good man. Thanks for spending a Sunday afternoon with me and uh, go well next weekend. Too easy. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Appreciate mate. It. Brad Mosen right here on SENZ. Heading towards 2.55 on a Sunday afternoon. I don't know why, Ben Francis, that, that music came in, the Pink Panther, uh, but maybe it's because the covers have come on at Seddon Park in Hamilton and it's all such a mystery as to, as to, as to how uh, the Black Caps will fare in the second one-day international against India, who after two and a half overs are 22 without loss. They're 22 without loss. Shubman on 19 and uh, Darwin on two. So 22 without loss. <laughs> Excuse me, four and a half overs. My apology. I was looking at Southie's figures. So it's four and a half overs. Don't look at me like that, okay? I, I need my glasses on. 22 with our loss, India, in the second one-day international. Coming your way after three o'clock this afternoon. You'll hear from Sean Johnson about pre-season. Casey Frank about the breakers facing the Brisbane Bullets at four o'clock this afternoon at Spark Arena. And in between both of those we talked to Gordon Simpson, former teammate of now the late Doddy Weir who had motor neuron disease. And if you remember uh, he brought out the match ball uh, only two weeks ago for the Scotland uh, All Blacks test. Sadly passed away overnight Doddy Weir having played some 61 matches for Scotland. So we'll we'll get some reflection on the big man uh, before four o'clock this afternoon right here on SENZ. Just gone three o'clock here on SENZ. That's a Scottish musician called Paolo Nutini, a fave of Ben Francis. What? Uh, it's, it's really nice. How long has Paolo been around? Oh, <laughs> quite interesting. So he, he released his first album in like 2006. Uh, so he's been around since then. He was like a young, young teenager then. About 2014, he released his third album, and he literally just vanished off the face of the earth. Oh. And he came back this year. Uh, his new album, which this song is off, came out less than two months ago, went straight to number one in the UK. Paolo Nutini, as an in E-W or? N-U-N-T-I-N-I. Okay, quite appropriate. We're going to be talking about uh, the late Scottish rugby grade to Doddy Weir around 3.20 this afternoon with former uh, Scotsman, Scottish player Gordon Simpson. We'll get some thoughts too from uh, Rory Lawson as well, former Scottish captain before 3.30 this afternoon. Coming your way around 20 to 4, we'll talk to a good man, Casey Frank. Knows his basketball inside and out. He'll give us a, a feel about where the breakers are at so early in the season, sitting 9 and 3. They face the 3 and 6 Brisbane Bullets at 4 o'clock this afternoon at Spark Arena. But right now it's time to talk a bit of footy. And we love our footy, don't we? We love our rugby league, even though it seems to have gone away. There's still plenty of gossip running around as to, to what's happening. I see, here's a little bit of a little tip I just was reading on Fox Sports. Uh, it looks like Laurie Daly, the former New South Wales coach, former Canberra League end legend, is going to join a, a manly outfit that now boasts uh, Jimmy Dimmock, who seems to have more clubs as an assistant coach than a, I've had hot dinners. Um, Shane Flanagan has, has moved into Manly to join Anthony Seabold. Now they're going to bring in Laurie Daly. How about that? 
It's quite the coaching lineup, isn't it? It's Jeez. quite the coaching lineup when you think about it. And he's been go- they they say he's going to be brought in as the halves coach to look after this young Schuster boy who has been playing at the back. He's been playing as a lock position or as a Lucy. Lucy, <laughs> what am I saying? Anyway, in rugby uh, in rugby league anyway, because Kieran Foran has gone to the Gold Coast Titans. Anyway, speaking of rugby league, the Warriors are in pre-season training and for the first time in something like three years, they will be at home and they will be training at home. And one man that comes under all sorts of criticism and is, he's their rock star and it's, it's, there's no arguing that is Sean Johnson and he joins me this afternoon afternoon and Sean I was just thinking yeah, well, what pre-season number is this for you? Yes this is my 15th pre-season Ouch um, Yeah so um, the boys every time we get into discussion over this seem to shake their head and don't understand why I've done it for so long or how I've done it for so long but um, <laughs> yeah I think um, yeah they don't get any easier so yeah I heard an interesting story this past week that uh, you guys, new coach Andrew Webster, made you guys go out and and work at Downer for a day to just make you understand about. I suppose this is a, a, the, the the right word, the, the privileged environment you live in. Yeah, Webby's come in um, and obviously brought some um, fresh ideas, a bit of a different perspective, um, you know, and obviously there was that element to it. Um, sort of that gratitude element element of, mm. you know, what we get to do every day and what we get to call, um, I guess, you know, a job. But the other element to it that probably didn't get mentioned um, was just sort of reconnecting with the community as well. Um, obviously, we've been away for a few years or the club's been away for a few years. So um, just sort of, you know, the first step in establishing ourselves back in the community was always going to be an important one. So um, it was really cool actually to get out. Um, you know, we mix and mingled with workers and, um, the downer staff really looked after us and um, helped us out. So, yeah, it was a pretty cool day. How, do people really understand the enormity of how important it is to be now back and training and playing at home? Well, uh, I, I, I can't really speak for, I guess, you know, people. Um, I, I can only sort of speak, you know, for myself and my teammates when... Um, you know, it just feels like being back at pre-season, being back at the club and um, being home. Mm. You know, it just feels like a chance at a fresh start. You know, it's almost like a little reset, you know, for a club, uh, for the club. Mm. And, you know, there's there's not really any other club that, you know, is able to do that right now. Um, you know, so we, we've, we've really tried to attack, you know, the start of the pre-season because... Really, I, I suppose you could look at it like the club has had, you know, many excuses into why things haven't gone right, you know, the last few years. The, the position they've been put in, the travel, the uncertainty, everything that's been, t- so, you know, I guess spoken about so much. Well, for us now, you know, it was about sort of just parking that, drawing a line in the sand because there isn't any excuse of why we shouldn't do well next year now. Yeah. You know, we've got... We've got everything we need, you know. We're all happy. We're back where we, you know, belong, and we're back where we want to be. So, yeah, it's about just ripping in now, and um, yeah, that's probably where I think you know the importance of us being home. You know, people may not understand that part. You've played under a number of coaches. Andrew Webster, new head coach, head coach for the first time, comes from the Panthers, has been here before. 
What are your initial impressions of pre-season? Do you, do you like how it feels? Well, your body won't, but, you know, mentally. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do say it's, um, it's been really enjoyable, to be honest. It's, it's obviously been hard, but I think at the moment I'm walking in the building um, and I'm leaving, you know, I guess I'm leaving the building at the end of the day, you know, very tired, but satisfied, you know, mm. happy. And I feel like I'm, I sort of, I'm, I'm leaving the building each day like a better player. It's, it's quite, it's quite refreshing. You know, he's, he, like I said earlier, he's come in with fresh ideas and a, I guess a different approach, um, but a real detailed approach and an approach where you know that what we're doing, we know the reason of why we're doing it. So it doesn't feel just like clueless running or clueless drilling. It, it, we know it's all for a bigger purpose and, um, I think, you know, Andrew's really good at painting that picture for us, which has helped us, or helped me in particular, buy into what we're doing. So, yeah, man, it's, it's been so far so good. But, like, yes. every, I reckon you probably have the other 16 NRL clubs and that all be saying the same thing. You oh, know, like, yep. it, yeah, no one's sort of lost a game yet, have they? Everyone's sort of on zero points and it's all, yeah. all roses at the moment. So, yeah, we'll see how the rest of the preseason and uh, obviously early start of the season goes. Uh, does it have any? Does does his training style feel a bit like Ivan's? Um, oh well, my memory's not that good. Um, <laughs> Ivan, geez, I, <laughs> Ivan was here. He gave me my debut, which was yeah, sort of thirteen, fourteen years ago now. Um, Gosh, but it, it's like one thing. It's it's quite cool to have obviously um, a coach that's been in a system the last few years. I guess, a successful system, you know, like, hmm. I've only played against the Panthers and I know how good they are um, and how they make you feel as an opposition. So to have um, that knowledge and insight where, you know, your head coach has been in that environment, he knows what it looks like, he knows what it takes, and then moulding it to, I guess, the players that he's got over here and not being the same as Penrith, um, that excites me. You know, it's really easy to listen, listen to him. And really, to, you know, really easy to jump on board of what he wants to do. Interesting to hear the words satisfied and excite come out of someone that's, you know, in his 13th, 14th year of playing. How do you do it? How do you turn up every day and actually now another year, new teammates coming in and, and start talking like that? What's driving this? <laughs> well, uh, like, I, I'll be the first to admit that, that the sort of chat that I'm talking to you about right now and the feeling I'm talking to you about right now, that's, that hasn't been me throughout my whole career. You know, like mm-hmm. this year at times it would have been completely different if you'd asked me and we'd had this chat. Um, but it, it, for me now, you know, touching earlier on being home, um, being a dad again, being around my wife, being around my daughter, being around my family, my friends. Yeah. Um, and then you throw in those things that you just spoke about, new teammates, new coach, like, I don't see why I shouldn't be excited and revitalised and working hard and just keen to go because I've got everything I want right now. You know, like I've, I I am living the dream. Like there were, you know, today we're getting flogged on the field and I'm running and I'm just smiling on the inside because I know after this I get to go home and see my daughter. So, you know, you try you, you try playing and training when you don't have that, you know. Um, that's a whole different conversation. So, that's sort of what drives me. That's what's driving this at the moment. Um, yeah, I don't take any of that stuff for granted. So that's probably why I'm so eager and so keen just to yeah, really show up each day and rip in and see where it takes me. 
of, of the new boys that have joined the Warriors, has anyone you've looked at them gone? Oh, actually, this is a really nice buy. This is a good asset to us. Who has anyone stood out at this point, or are you going to just play? Are you going to play the sort of the the? I'm not going to give you that information card. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you know me. I'll give you as much information as I can, mate. <laughs> I um, nah. Like it, it, again, like you can only go off the attitude and yep. their contribution and um, their buy-in to what we're trying to do. And all of them have been really good. Um, you know, in particular, um, you know, Mitch Barnett. You know, I think he's been, yeah, really, I guess, really open to jumping on board with wherever we're going to go and um, helping drive that. You know, it's been pretty cool. Pretty cool to see him. Sort of take that role on. Um, then we've got a couple of young boys. Luke Metcalf's come over, a young half from Cronulla. Um, pretty cool to see him in action. Tamaiti Martin coming back home. Um, yeah, a couple of young boys. Tang. We've got. Yeah, there's a few there that are, everyone that's come in has come in. You know, really adding their own sort of um, strengths and. Mm. Um, yeah, we're starting to get into a bit of team play, so that's when you really start to see it. But. Yeah, it's um it's really early in the preseason. Obviously, um, Murata and Chans aren't training with us yet, but then they'll come in and boost us up again. So, yeah, everyone's um, everyone's buying in really well. When does Sean Johnson start getting serious about the game again? And the sense of the seasons coming up. When do you get past the yes, preseason's a pain in the bum, and now it's time to game on. And when do you start putting your game face on? Is it is it earlier into the new year? Nah, Steve, it's now. It's now, man. I'm, um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty locked in at the moment. I like I said, you know, we'd we'd be coming in with a different approach, just different standards. Um, if you don't get on board with it, you're the odd one out. So he's uh, massive on um, you know, individual progression, individual um, review, you know, watching training, clipping clips. Um, and bettering yourself, yeah. and then speaking with the coaches on how you can be better as well. And you know, that's no knock on any of the coaches I've had in the past, but some some didn't value that, or some didn't, I guess, drive that. You know, um, yeah. So like, when I walk in the doors each morning, you know, we we set our intentions. We know what we want to get out of the day. Um, and the last thing I do before we leave, and everyone else as well, is the conversation with one of the coaches about how the day went and how you went as an individual. Um, so to me, that means that we're locked in right now. You know, we This is where the work is. We'll, we'll, we'll get the rewards for whatever we do right now, um, you know, come the start of the season, middle of the season, back into the season, you know. So we don't take... Yeah, well, we're not taking anything right now lightly. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much pretty much it. And are you, are you ready for being home for a full season and all the criticism, all the, the plaudits, all the stuff that comes, all the social media, are you just ready to soak that up again and, and take it for what it is? Yeah, look, that's probably the stuff that I haven't really, well, at this stage, you know, I'm not obviously putting any thought into, you yep. know, like, yeah, that, that stuff's going to come and go like the tide, it just rolls, you know, like, so when, when, when we get to that, we'll just ride that, but you know, right now I'm just doing whatever I can con- uh, can do to control. Yeah, you know, I guess how I lead the building each day. You know, and hopefully, you know, I do that enough. Then maybe a little bit less, of, I guess, a little bit less of the criticism next year, a little bit, a bit more of the highs, yep. and we can really just sort of you know, enjoy the year, winning some football games. So, um, yeah, man, how we go? 
This is the second time I think I've spoken to you in 12 months, and the last time I walked away telling people, my God, the guy's so content. You sound even more content. Yeah, like, oh, again, it's just the stuff about being home is the difference. You know, like, I've never taken what I do and what we get to do for it, like, for granted. So, like, last year when I spoke to you, or whenever it was this year, earlier this year, like, it's still... Even on its worst day, it's still the best job in the world. And I don't care what anyone says. You know, like, it's, it has its rough days, there's no doubt about it. But at the end of the day, we're playing rugby league as a job. So, I, to me, it's really lying in the sand. Like, it doesn't... Yep. Of course I'm content, you know? Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm living the dream, so... Um, I understand yeah, that. I now, understand that feeling completely. I know exactly what you're talking about. When you think your job, yeah. it's not doesn't feel like a job. You're in a good place, man. Thanks for giving me yeah, giving me your preseason time. I just wanted to have a catch up and see how you feel. It sounds good. Uh, I hope you and Kayla and the, and the the wee girl have a wonderful Christmas, man. And uh, enjoy preseason. What's left of it? Because there's more to come, pal. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, brother. We'll do. Sean Johnson here on SENZ and SEN on the app, wherever you're listening. Uh, one of the uh, true stars of the game of rugby league and very, very content and also the favourite person uh, for Ben Francis's do- uh, sister who just turned 16, right? And she had a Sean Johnson cake. Yeah, had a family friend that made her a cake with the back of the Warriors jersey with the number seven and Johnson on it. Oh, she wow. had, it tastes good. Well, you better send that interview to her and so she can sort of have an extra, extra celebration uh, for her birthday. If you've got some thoughts on how the Warriors might go in season 2023, 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. In the moment, we remember Dottie Weir. 3.21 on SENZ and SEN on the app across the ditch. How are you? Stephen McIver, Ben Francis, until 5 o'clock this afternoon. And sad news overnight with the passing of uh, former Scottish rugby player Dottie Weir. Played 61 matches for Scotland between 1990 and 2000. Had suffered from motor neuron disease and raised a lot of money for the cause and those around him. Uh, somewhere in the vicinity of £8 million uh, once he was diagnosed and things got uh, bad. Uh, incredibly, incredibly sad. We'll talk to Gordon Simpson, the former Takabuna player who uh, used to play for Scotland and made 15 appearances for uh, Scotland. But first of all, these are the thoughts from Rory Lawson who played for Scotland between 2006 and 2010, made 31 appearances for them. Dottie Weir, as a rugby player, was an, an immense human being. But beyond that, the, the more recent challenges of motor neuron disease, the way he's fo- faced those, the way that he's been a trailblazer for raising the awareness and trying to find a cure for motor neuron disease has been absolutely incredible. Um, and he will leave the world in a better place. All of the work that he's done and his foundation has done has been incredible. The way that he has faced the, mo- the cruelest of diseases is just inspiring to so many people. And I think it's he is he is a loss that will be felt right the way around the world in the rugby community and well beyond. How much of an inspiration was he when you were a young player? Well, I, I grew up with uh, with my papa commentating on on Doddy Weir in amongst the Scotland team, and I remember papa talking about him being a running like a runaway giraffe. Um, he was a he was a a player who inspired many but he was a player who saw the fun in everything on and off field he was a joker he was a smiley guy but he he wanted to extract everything they could from from life and he lit up every room that he went into 
He brought an energy and positivity to life. And obviously more recently, while facing the biggest challenge of his life. Um, and it's incredibly sad news to hear, sadly, of the inevitable. And uh, because motor neuron disease is a disease that breaks you down. And Doddy's fight over five years has been something that has inspired many, his, his nearest and dearest, but people in all corners of the world. Um, he has fought it with such courage, um, with humor, um, and, uh, and a belief that he will he will do everything within his power to find a cure for those after him who contract motor neuron disease. Uh, legacy is something that Doddy would never have spoken about himself, but I think the the work now goes into everybody else with the the the, the my name is Doddy Foundation and other motor neurons charities to be able to try and find a cure. That would be the true legacy that Doddy wants everybody to leave. It wasn't about him; it was about helping others, and that's something that he always wanted to to do, and that I hope will continue. Um, you know, even after the, the sad day of losing him today. Rory Lawson talking about the passing of Doddy Weir overnight. He talked about his papa was the great rugby caller Bill McLaren. I remember him vividly making that line. I thought it was about Ian Jones. It was in it was in Carisbrook, Lake Carisbrook Park, and uh, Carisbrook, sorry, and I remember him saying, and uh, that must have been it because I remember him saying, uh, "Doddy Weir like a big thundering giraffe down the sideline." And and he, Bill McLaren, to this day, was still probably the most beautiful caller of a game of rugby. Gordon Simpson used to play with him as well. He joins us right now. Sad day. Yeah, very sad day. Um, obviously, Dottie knew his destiny, but it's always um, it's always a sad day when you lose such a such a hero like Dottie and what he's sort of done on the rugby field and certainly off the rugby field uh, of, of late. What were your first impressions when you met him? Oh, I think you had a little clip before. Um, he was a funny guy. He, he didn't take life too seriously. Um, and he sort of he sort of um, sparked up a room. Uh, if it was sort of down, or there was too many serious boys in there trying to prep for the game, or, or got a little bit over the top as far as uh, thinking about the game before playing it, he'd sort of loosen the sort of the, the atmosphere in there and, and try and get everyone sort of a bit more relaxed and a bit more sort of in a jovial mood, as opposed to sort of um, you know playing the game before we had to sort of play it. So that was my first sort of recollection of him, and also. Um, he was just a, a down-to-earth, decent guy. Um, you know, it's, uh, it was, I was with him a couple of times, and he, um, he loved New Zealand rugby. He was always picking my brain about, you know, what, um, what we did over here and did we train differently or, did we, you know, what, what were the things. And he was always trying to pick my brain about different qualities that maybe he could sort of take into his game. Um, he was obviously a big fan of Ian Jones, and I, I, I kind of thought those two players were very similar um, in their sort of stature and, 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 and their frame. So... He was always picking my brain about that, so he was always he was he was always sort of interested in stuff and always joint and 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 joyful as far as team meetings and all that went along. And 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 as a player and being a teammate, what was he like on the field to play with? Yeah, just a, just a hard grafter. Obviously, he was six foot six, six foot seven, so uh, you know a, a tall guy. Um, probably not the sort of bulk as some of the boys these days, but. You know, he just had a work rate. He just sort of he got he got stuck in nothing flash. Sort of did the did his job, the hard yards, up the guts, and sort of all that kind of work. But um, yeah, it was just a guy that you want beside you because he sort of he had a work rate. You know, he didn't sort of even when you were going backwards, he'd be working um, as well as got obviously when we were going forward. So 
he was just a guy that just got on with things, didn't sort of um, sort of argue or, or, or you know sort of got his sort of bottom lip. He just got on with things, and he always had self belief that um, maybe back in when I was over there, that a lot of Scottish boys didn't have is that we could beat on our day some of the top teams. Um, he always had that belief, and he was always whether it was a stop of play and stuff uh, due to an injury or something. He'd always be sort of talking in the um, in the um, in the sort of a circle there, saying, you know, listen, we can still got these guys, we can still get get over these guys. So he always had that kind of belief. Whereas maybe a couple of the other boys back in my day, sort of with the Scottish boys, sort of against the big heavyweights, didn't believe as much as maybe Dotty did. Uh, do, do you think he leaves a legacy to Scottish rugby with that attitude? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, he was he was a bit of a folk hero when he was playing over there. Uh, when I first went over there, there wasn't a lot of players that I actually knew. Um, he was the only one, especially in his early days when he had the sort of the, the very white hair. Um, and um, but he was he was it was a crowd favourite. He sort of uh, you know unselfishly would be always be the one after the uh, after the game signing autographs and sort of last one to get up to the after match. Um, so yeah, he was always giving his time um, to uh, all the people that supported him and all the spectators um, supporters. So um, yeah, I mean I, I think he would. I mean obviously. Uh, what highlights it probably even more now is what he's done in regards to his disease over the last four or five years, which has just sort of elevated into a sort of higher level, and and um, you know sort of put him put him into a place where you know he's trying to obviously get a cure for this um, terrible disease that he had, um, MND, um, and you know what he's done in that regards um, will certainly put him in in, in uh, a shining light as far as past and present Scottish players. Playing around individuals like that and then knowing what's gone on and what's happened, which is incredibly sad, but, you know, it's, 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 it's life, right? What do you think yep. he has left to you? Oh, listen, I think it's like you've got to take everything that comes your way and, you know, you're going to get some hard knocks from time to time. And, and you know, you know, for Dottie, he's only a year older than myself. So um, I guess in that sense, it's like, you know, and it might be a little bit cliche and might be a bit silly, but always go and get yourself checked out, you know. Um, make sure that um, you're doing your regular checkups and stuff. But also, I guess as far as rugby goes, just, you know, enjoy enjoy the time when you had them. Because I know he certainly did. Um, being around him, it was, sort of, it was a sort of breath of sunshine. Um, and, um, and, you know, just take every minute as, it, as you can because... You know, back in the day, I would have never thought anything like this would happen to either himself or, if we go back, Tom Smith, another guy I, I spent a lot of time with over there. Um, things can happen pretty quickly, and um, you've sort of just got to take things um, by the sort of neck at the time and, 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 and run with it. So, you know, he's obviously fought the disease for five or so odd years when he was probably given 18 months initially. So, you know, he, he's he's a fighter, and, um, you know, you just got, you just got to roll with that and, and just take everything as it comes and... Always be, always be grateful for what you got. You must have a Dotty, a Dotty Weir story. There must be one sitting there that you're just dying to tell me, surely. <laughs> oh, God, I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, unfortunately, back in our day, there wasn't a lot of testing with the old kicks in the head, so uh, concussion wasn't as big as it is these days. So the old, the old, the old mind's a little bit blank these days. But um, <laughs> oh, okay. I think, I think, um, I think, uh, I think one of the stories is not really a story, but. One of the things he was really well known for, and and um, it was it was a bit of a it was a bit of a thing going around with the Scottish team, is that 
obviously being a joker, he he would tell a lot of jokes, but a lot of the jokes were just terrible jokes. Um, they just they just they just they had no real meaning or, or, or no real punchline. But because they were so bad, everyone would just laugh. You know, you've probably been around them yourself. A yep. lot of people that. They, they think they're good. They, they can tell a good joke, but it's actually not a good joke. And they're the ones laughing, but because they're laughing, they get they make you laugh. So um, that, that was that was what I always remembered about him. He was always he was always telling jokes, but you know maybe one out of ten was pretty good, but then the other nine were just terrible. But you'd still crack up because um, because that he was he was laughing too, and he had that sort of that radiant sort of laugh where you, you couldn't help but laugh with him because you know he was. He was sort of, um, he thought it was hilarious. You and I call them dad jokes now, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. My, my, my kids just walk out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> no, the feeling. Hey, just, just quickly, yeah. what was it like, you know, you, you qualified through your grandfather. What was it like playing for another nation? Oh, I'll tell a lot of people the story whenever they ask them that. It's this. Um, obviously, it was a, 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 an honour to play for Scotland and get the chance to play international rugby. But what, what, what the, 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 the most pleasing thing for me is this: this was my mother's father's nation, um, and the most beneficial thing for me was actually seeing my mum, because we lost our, I lost my dad when I was very young with a freak accident of, of electrocution, and so my mum, as I told everyone, my mum brought up myself, and my brother, you know, a couple of the mongrels from Browns Bay, and um, and. Um, you know, it was it was more around uh, around her and making her proud of what she'd done as far as bringing myself up and my brother, um, all the hard yards that she had to do, and and then obviously getting the chance to get her over to to Murrayfield, um, watching the games, and also one of the highlights was actually meeting Princess Anne because um, my mum's name was Anne too. So you know, I mean, I, I loved it. Don't get me wrong; uh, it was it was an honour for me, and I you know wish I could have played more. Um, but uh, playing for Scotland, obviously, with all the history and the and Murrayfield and the national anthem, it's 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 you know it's sort of spine tickling. But um, one of the major ones was obviously to try and you know sort of give some sort of gratitude to my mum and and all the sort of hard work. And I know a lot of people in this position all around the world, but for me that was you know the the, the massive benefit for me was to to make her proud and and um, see her smiling face. Um, as I ran out to the field. Oh, nice, man. Hey, mate, thanks for thanks for sharing your thoughts on Dottie Weir and thanks for helping us remember it, buddy. Yeah, no, no problem. And, and God bless Dottie uh, and his family. And, and um, yeah, sad day. Thanks, mate. Gordon Simpson just reflecting on the passing of Dottie Weir. Uh, played 61 matches for a scholar between 1990 and 2000. Born the 4th of July, 1970. Passed away overnight on the 26th of November, 2022. Uh, George Wilson Weir, of all believe, uh, believe it or not, OBE. It's uh, 3.34. We turn our attention to basketball next. 3.38 on SENZ Iran's New Zealand Today with Stephen McIver and Ben Francis and also SEN. If you're listening on the app, you can call us from Australia too if there's anything that's tickled your fancy. Uh, we've just been uh, talking to Gordon Simpson, former international for Scotland, of North Shore stalwart about the passing of Doddy Weir, the great lock uh, for Scotland from motor neuron disease overnight. Incredibly sad and uh, some lovely words spoken uh, by Gordon about uh, Doddy. Just an update from the Softball World Championships. Uh, Cuba got the win over the Czech Republic. 7-0 and currently Canada at the bottom of the fourth league, Denmark 8-0. In the meantime, we've got to think about 
basketball tip-off between the New Zealand Breakers and the Brisbane Bullets at 4 o'clock this afternoon at Spark Arena. The only man to talk about this has got to be Casey Franken. Man, Casey, can you believe what you've seen this early with the Breakers? Uh, I mean, coming into the season, if you told me this is where they'd be standing, I'd be pretty surprised. But having watched their games this season and seeing the type of team they put together, uh, where they're standing doesn't really surprise me at all. Just through the fact that the level of defense they're playing is not only championship level, but amongst the best defense I've seen any team play in the last 15, 20 years in the NBL. I mean, they are really locked in. They're positionally diverse. They can do a lot of switching, but they can also lock you up man-to-man. And as the offense continues to improve, we're uh, this can really go from strength to strength. Are you saying this is as good as the three-time champ breakers when they were that good? Well, you, you look at those teams, I think they were really good defensively, but I, I think this team probably has uh, maybe a higher ceiling just due to the athleticism they have at every position and the switchability. I, I think that team was positionally locked in. They couldn't do a lot of switching out and be okay with it without help, but on the defensive side of the ball, yeah, I, th- I think this team's playing at least at that level, uh, if, if not better. And, yeah, I think there are questions on the offensive side uh, that those teams didn't have, those great breakers teams back in the day didn't have. But as time goes along, I, I think the offense will improve for the breakers moving forward. Look at their last one against Cairns, 82-71, and the contributions. Brantley, 20. Barry Brown, Jr., 20. Pardon, 15. Uh, Leafa, 11. You know, the one thing that, that doesn't seem to change, it they they really have just a group of stars, not one big star. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I do think that this is a team that doesn't 100% depend on one player, especially on the offensive end. I think uh, Barry Brown Jr. is the closest thing they have to that, their ability to to his ability to take over games offensively. But he's also not a guy that the breakers are going to be stuck out at sea if he's not getting it done. Uh, you know, they've only got the four players averaging double figures this year. It's those four guys you just mentioned, the three imports and the alpha. Uh, but other guys do have that ability. I think as uh, if William McDowell-White gets a little bit more aggressive with his mindset offensively, he'll be able to pick up some slack. And I do expect Tommy Abercrombie as well to become a, a little bit more comfortable offensively if things go along. But what a great position to be in when you have guys who are capable of scoring 20 points, but you don't have to have them score that for you to be able to be in a position to win a game. How important is it, Abercrombie, coming off the bench now, you know, and, 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 and refining the form we expected? Or are we just dealing with an age thing? Well, I think a bit of it is age. You know, I, I do think he's going to slow down slightly in particular because he didn't play a lot of basketball in the last year with the injuries he was dealing with. Uh, that said, you know, he, he might not be on the, that short list of the best defensive player in the league, but he could still give you excellent defense on that wing position, has the ability to switch higher uh, into the guard or come down and guard forwards if he has to. And, and I think offensively what he's going to be able to give this team is really key. Uh, Tommy's never been the number one option on any team, but what he can do is be a knockdown shooter from that weak side. I think he's shooting 38.5% from three this year on limited opportunities. Uh, as that, those opportunities open up, he gets more of those. I think that percentage is going to raise, and shooting is really key, especially through the fact that uh, Ryan Rupert is still going to be out for quite some time if he returns at all with that wrist injury. And Tommy's going to have to make up for all of his defensive slack, and I think he's, he's certainly got the ability to do that on the offensive end as well. Casey, it's the cliche of cliches. Defense wins championships, but gee, their offense looks good, doesn't it? Uh, at times it does. Uh, oh. I think I'm probably a little bit lower on the offense than, than some of the other uh, uh, pundits out there. Uh, I do think they have the ability to get get going, but it's been, what I've noticed is if the three-point shot isn't going, 
uh, teams uh, at times when they haven't played well or when the Breakers haven't played well, teams have forced them off that three-point line and forced them to shoot those mid-range. A lot of floaters, a lot of 15-footers, and taking away the basket. Uh, that's how they got that loss to Sydney early on. They were in, a big, were in a big hole they had to climb out of, couldn't do it, ended up with an L. That's how they lost to the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, really got forced into those mid-range runner shots, and they weren't hitting those. So, you know, if the three-point shot's going, fantastic offensively. I don't think there's any questions. But that hasn't been as consistent for them as I think they'd like it to be. And at times that has caused them problems uh, when they're trying to wind up that scoreboard. Not everything is perfect. Uh, turnovers, nine in the first quarter against Cairns, 17 overall. Motomayor, not happy. And it shouldn't be. You know, you can't have that many turnovers in the, in the first quarter of a game and expect to win. Now, because of the way they're able to make four, up for it in other areas, they still got away with that W. Uh, but you know, Cairns, uh, Cairns uh, is a great story themselves. They put themselves in position to be a championship contender. That's a tough place to play. I think this is the first time the Breakers have won uh, two games in the season there in quite some time. I can't remember the, the exact stats uh, leave me, but a, a difficult, gritty win in a place that they struggled to score the first time as well. Uh, I think uh, the first time up there, they only had five points in the first quarter. Not a little bit better the second time around, but you know, uh, if you're not taking care of the basketball, that will really affect that efficiency. And for a team that I do think has a slimmer margin of error on that side, when they want to play their best basketball, when they're playing against the best opposition, they do have to do a better job of taking care of that rock. But this is a really interesting thing, right? Winning on the road. They're 6-1 on the road. Now, if you use a comparison in rugby league, you win on the road, and you win more than half your games on the road, you're going to be playing finals ball. Yeah, absolutely. I think... uh, you know, there, uh, I went to a camp once with George Carley, one of the great NBA coaches, and he used to say that uh, wins at home are worth nothing, losses are minus one, wins on the road are plus one, losses are, are, are worth nothing. So if you lose on the road, that's fine, but when you win on the road, it's almost a bonus. You couple that with taking care of your home court, uh, and if you stretch it out in the advanced stats, this looks like a breaker team that's going to win 20 to 21 games, which would be a great uh, success for them coming off what they've done, but you know, that is a sign of a great team with great mental fortitude as well. The ability to go on the road, create that mental fortress, say we're going in as a band of brothers, we're going to get it done. And uh, they're going to have to keep winning on that road if they, if they want to reach the goals that they've set themselves, lofty as they are. This turnaround is remarkable considering the last two seasons, isn't it? I mean, is, is there one key factor in this turnaround? Uh, I think it's one key factor would be tough, but I, I think... I mean, you know, outside of the obvious, which I continue to tell people when we talk about the last couple of seasons, it's just about impossible to win with that many games on the road. You know, every game on the road, you've got no routine. You've got no safety net to fall back on. You've got no crowd to amp you up. And it's just a grind to be in a hotel that long. So first and foremost, just the ability to come home. But I like what they've recruited in terms of players. It's a bunch of guys that are team first, unselfish, and dedicated to that defensive end of the ball. Uh, because of that, these guys, every somebody, single guy who goes out on the court is giving up everything that he wants to give up, you know, really putting his, the entirety of their energy into it. Uh, and uh, that, that's put them in a position, uh, game in, game out, to get those wins. Are you surprised at Modi Mayor? He, when he first took over the job, I got the impression it was going to be like for like, but it doesn't seem that way. No, not at all. I mean, it's been interesting the last couple of years, you know, just speaking to the guys about the dichotomy between. Uh, Modi Moor and uh, Dan Shamir. You know, even though Dan 
brought Modi over here. He was a big on his, they're very different guys. You know, Modi's really emotional, really close to the players. Uh, you know, even these last couple of years, I think he played that role of being the player's best friend when Dan Shamir was more of a CEO type. <laughs> uh, and I, I think uh, it's been really good for, for Modi to be able to have those couple of seasons as the assistant to see exactly how these guys need to be motivated, what they're going to be susceptible to. You know, you can't just tell them to do their job or yell at them and get that. That doesn't get it done. That's not the way uh, that coaches work successfully in this part of the world. He's learned a lot of those lessons as an assistant. And now that he's taken the reins, I, I think you, you can ask for more from a head coach. You know, I get the feeling today, though, it could be a bit of a banana game because the Bullets have just sacked their coach, James, James Duncan. Sam McKinnon steps in and you know what happens in sport. That first game, new coach, everything changes for the team under pressure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's got to be a concern of the Breakers going in. A revitalized, extremely talented Brisbane team. Uh, that, that was my expectations coming into this one. I thought, you know, if, if the Breakers play their best basketball, the areas where they're strong, size on the interior, the Breakers don't have a lot of depth. Now, that's changed in the last couple of days. Aaron Baines has gone down with a back injury. He's not going to be playing today. Uh, James Harrison has gone down uh, with, with a knee injury. The big Kiwi seven-footer has been playing well for them. It isn't going to be available for the next six to eight. So that was their biggest strength for me coming in that I thought was going to be able to for them to, the breakers to counter. Without those guys, they're going to have to do it all in adrenaline. You expect to see a lot of Nathan Sobey and Tyler Johnson, uh, the ex-NBA player. So if those guys aren't playing well, it's just not going to be possible for the Bullets. What's the vibe like at uh, Spark at the moment? Uh, it's going it's to be great. You know, it's uh, not quite open yet. Once they open those doors, uh, it's going to be filling up. Uh, this, this, these crowds uh, ha- have been supportive of the Breakers, but we haven't had the big ones yet. I think they've topped out at about 5,500. But I'm I- rallying for Auckland to come support this team. It's an enjoyable team. I think Kiwis are really enjoying cheering them on. And if we can get nine, ten thousand 10,000 in that stadium, I think it's going to become a rocking fortress once again and possibly uh, help the Breakers relive those good old days. Finally, are you a believer in momentum? Uh, absolutely. I'm 100% a believer in momentum. Anybody who says it doesn't hasn't been on a court when uh, things uh, you've given up 10 straight points or scored 10 straight. Uh, when, when that wins at your back, uh, it, it certainly helps you get up to speed. All right, Case, have a great call with Miles today, and uh, here's hoping the Breakers are 10 and 3 by the end of the day. Fingers crossed. Thanks for your time, Stephen. Appreciate it. Casey Frank doing the call on Sky Sport this afternoon with uh, Andrew Mulligan and uh, Brooke Roscoe and all the team. I'm getting some pictures in now from Spark Arena. Looks like there's a very, very strong crowd in for that one. It's uh, 3.49 with Stephen McIver. And uh, so much more to come after four. Stick it right here on SENZ. And if you're listening in Australia, on the SEN app. 3.54 on a Sunday afternoon with Stephen McIver and Ben Francis on SNZ 0800 150811. Or you can text us on the Timber Bedpost text line. That's double eight double three. We mentioned with Gordon Simpson when we were remembering the late Dottie Ware about dad jokes, and Donald from Christchurch gave us a dad joke. So I did this dad joke thing. It just it sort of morphed uh, the other day between midday and three, and we got a whole heap of dad jokes, which was really lovely. I had a lovely lady from Palmerston North saying she was giggling all afternoon, uh, and Donald just texted us in a dad joke and said, uh, "Why did the hedgehog cross the road?" And the answer is. To see his flatmate. Yeah, that is a classic dad joke. But it all comes down to the delivery, right? It is all down. And I, I struggled all, all afternoon, Ben, with Kieran, and I could not. I only got one good laugh out of him. You know what the, you know what the dad joke was? What's that? You know, so there's a guy in, in an interview, 
and he's being spoken to by, by the people who want to employ him. Say, they say, mate, uh, can you perform under pressure? And he goes, no, but I can play Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> Oh, you see, see, you laugh, right? Yeah, but I, I'm one of these. I'm one of these people that I will probably laugh. I will laugh at these jokes because that's just my sense of humour. Oh, like, so you and I, you are, you and I, just sad dad jokers, right? <laughs> yep. Hey, just an update from the World Softball Championships on the North Shore of Auckland, uh, confirming that Cuba beat the Czech Republic seven nil, and Canada have absolutely torn uh, Denmark apart. Apart, excuse me. 10 nil Now, New Zealand, USA was supposed to get underway at 3 o'clock. That isn't underway as yet, but the other game that is underway is uh, Venezuela versus the Republic of South Africa. Uh, that's uh, currently... They're just in the uh, top of the first. Top of the first and no score at the moment. And Victor Gudez is on the mound. So a lot coming your way after four o'clock. Surely Brendan Leach will talk to Watto. We'll have a, a coffee with Watto about uh, what things have been happening over the weekend right here on SENZ. SENZ on a Sunday afternoon around New Zealand and Australia on the SEN app with Stephen McIver and Ben Francis. 0800 150811 is the number to call if you would like to uh, engage with us on anything that we've been doing this afternoon. It's been a, a busy first three hours. One more hour to go. And you can text us on the Temper Bedpost text line on 8833. Uh, thanks to the uh, anonymous uh, texter who said they're appreciating these softball updates going on. We're, it's, uh, our, we're a little like a little bit of a service. We like to look after you, make sure that you're, you're not missing out on anything. Right now we turn our attention to something that I love which is uh, motor racing and uh, young Brendan Leach uh, came up with some very good news in the last 24 hours. He's going to compete in the 2023 Asian Le Mans series with Leap at Motorsport and Lamborghini and uh, Brendan is back in the country uh, and joins us right now. G'day bud, how are you? Yeah, good mate, how are you? Yeah, good. What are you, what are you doing out at Hampton Downs today? Can you not stay away from racetracks? No, I can't. I can't help myself. I arrived in the country, what, 48 hours ago, but no, I'm not actually at the circuit. I'm just near the circuit, but uh, <laughs> we'll be there We'll be there tomorrow, though. It's a, a members' day out at Hampton Downs, and they'll be uh, there helping out and um, doing a bit of coaching with um, with some family friends and uh, just having having a bit of fun. I think. Where where'd you flying from? Uh, I came from uh, Nice in France. Gee, it's a yeah, t- had, it's a t- uh, it's a tough life, yeah. eh? It was a it was a big trip. Thirty six hours is uh, it's a long way to travel. I'm, um, I'm still trying to get over it, actually. <laughs> well, I appreciate you giving us the time this afternoon, buddy. Just to, to update fans, what have you been doing this last year? Oh, this year I've been I've been racing in the GT World Challenge Endurance Cup in Europe, uh, which includes the 24 Hours of Spa. Uh, also been racing in Lamborghini Super Trofeo Europe um, in the Pro-Am category. So uh, it's been a, a eventful year, let's say. A lot of podiums. No, no, no results in the end of the championship that that meant anything, but some some really good results overall, and personally some some good achievements and and some I guess great things to to come in the future because of that. And um, that was why I was in in uh, in France actually. I had a, a test you just saw... before coming back home. Yeah. Oh, what was the test, mate? Uh, it was a a test with Lamborghini. Um, we had a uh, official tyre test, mm-hmm. uh, so all the manufacturers are invited to to go and and test for it was for um, Pirelli for the, the the compound for next year. So they um they have a selection of factory drivers for each manufacturer to go turn up and um yeah testing different compounds, finding a finding a compromise between speed and safety and reliability and and what works best um, among all the different manufacturers. 
So tell us about. Be, so do you consider yourself a factory driver with a leap at motorsport or not, or is that a, a privateer? Uh, oh, excuse me. Now I'm a. I'm actually what you call a GT3 uh, junior driver. So I'm not a full fledged factory driver or anything, but um, heavily supported by Lamborghini and and by Life at Motorsport as well. But I still also have my own personal sponsors back home, uh, Dale ITM, Giltrap Group, Lamborghini Auckland, um, and also CrowdStrike, uh, which is an American-based company. Also, maybe you've seen seen it on uh, Little Hamilton Town yeah, as well. So. Yeah, nice, yeah, nice segue, mate. What actually is CrowdStrike, by the way? Uh, so it's a cybersecurity company. Um, so commercial base, uh, base, there's nothing uh, for the general public yet, but opposition to the likes of... Um, uh, McAfee and, and North and Antivirus are these sort of things. But, yeah, at the moment, only a commercial software is not available to the to the public yet. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure how that looks for the future. But, yeah, massive company and, and really, really so, so fortunate to be aligned, aligned with them. So let's talk about this opportunity that it would appear has popped up. I think the quote from you is, I'm pretty gobsmacked to get the opportunity. So you're going to compete in the 2023 Asian Le Mans series in the factory-supported Huracan GT3 with both support from your Lamborghini, as you said before, Dale ITM and Leipzig Motorsport. You're going to drive with two guys, Gabriel Rindone and Lamborghini factory driver Marcello Mapelli. Four races in uh, February 11 and 12, and February 18 and 19 in Dubai and Abu Dhabi. And you said you gobsmacked. Did, was this not even on the radar? No, it wasn't on the radar until like, I don't know, two months ago or less even. It was, um, we were just working on everything for next year and putting plans together and and uh, trying to get you know deals done and, and, and things across the line and seeing what was going to work best, making sure we could maximise the year and fill in the calendar without, um, you know, what's the best value for money for responses and cost-wise and all these sorts of things that come into play. Um, somebody has to pay for it at the end of the day and, and the Asian Le Mans series came up as an option and, and the, the best thing about that is the prize for for winning it as a, a, as a ticket, or I guess you call it, um, mm. the golden ticket as a, as a free entry to the 24 hours of Le Mans in, in 2024 when they removed the GTE car and, and put the GT3 category in its place. So it becomes very valuable for that, that huge GT3 market. Um, so for us to go and compete in Asian Le Mans um, with a very strong lineup, heavily supported by the factory um, and a big, big team behind us, there's a good chance of winning it. And um, a strong lineup with, with Marco being one of the best factory drivers in the world and Gabby is, is one of the best amateur drivers in the world um, at the moment. So we couldn't couldn't really be in a better position to, to fight for a title. Do you feel like you've got the golden ticket here? Oh, I think I don't, you know, I don't want to, to, to speak too soon, but I think I think we're in with a good a good shot, you know, there's going to be a lot of strong lineups, but I think we have, for sure, one of the strongest so, you know, very, very lucky to get the opportunity and that they've uh, Lamborghini have entrusted in me as, as one of the drivers in, in the lineup, and I think um yeah, it's probably the best opportunity I've ever had to to win a title. So I'm um, I'm going in and um, was it gun, all guns blazing. So I'm really looking forward to to having a crack and already been been driving on Dubai and Abu Dhabi this year at the beginning of the year for the 24 hour race there. So um, yeah, I can't wait to to get amongst it. How challenging is the Abu Dhabi track? Yeah, it's quite good actually. It's um it's really fast. 
the back straight. I remember I drove there in the Super Trofeo this year, uh, the Lamborghini Super Trofeo, so the Lam- Lamborghini Cup car, um, and top speed was 290-something, so it was oh, God. terrifically fast. Yeah, it was really quick, and um, as a beautiful facility. So if anything, if anything, the place is just, just incredible to be at. Like it's, it's, There's so many good circuits around the world, and it's definitely one of the nicest ones, and it's, uh, it was designed by one of the, I can't remember his name right now, uh, but one of the most famous track designers in the world. So it's very well done. And with the modifications they made uh, a couple of years ago for Formula One, the racing is so much better now and there's a, a lot of opportunities to overtake and, and have some great racing. Do you think now your time having driven Lambos and that's the way things are working out right now, do you think you with the... It's almost an explosion of GT3 racing. People going, you know, actually really enjoying this and the, and the racing so competitive. Do you think you've made the right choice? Because I wouldn't suspect it was always going to be the first choice as a young uh, New Zealand race car driver. Yeah, for sure. It wasn't my initial initial. So actually, when I was a bit younger, I wanted to follow in Scott Dixon's footsteps and go into the IndyCar when I was sort of brainwashed in that single seater path. But yeah, as I as I got older and I want to say old and wise because I'm still pretty young, but as I got older and started to understand it, it's, you know, it's just a big business really, like anything. And um, GT3 racing has, has got so much support from manufacturers around the world. There's, there must be 12, 15 different manufacturers in GT3 racing and and um, a lot of opportunity to, to, to make a living off it. So, um, yeah, it would be very silly not to exploit that. And a couple of years ago, we I first had a go in a, a GT car and, and got hooked on it. Love it. It's they're an amazing, amazing touring car and and incredibly, incredibly fast. What, what, what hooks you about tin top racing? Uh, I just I, I really enjoy that you can get so close to other cars. You can they're a bigger car, so you, the racing's less spread out. Like in a Formula car, you can't follow so close. Like in Formula One, they also have problems with with following too close, and they get aero wash and and they can't pass as easily and then they have the drag reduction systems but in a gt car it's awesome you can you can you know bang doors with somebody and <laughs> go side by side around a corner and and you can sort of get your elbows out a bit more and and follow really closely and there's that really i don't know intense intense racing this year at the 24 hours of spa i, I began the race right from the back of the grid because we had a tire failure in, in qualifying and um, in the first two hours of the race, went from 64th to 29th, and that was that was awesome. That was just they just think like for me ingrained why why I love GT racing and 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 what's so special about it. I think it's a, not only are they beautiful cars that make a great noise and go really quick, but the racing is super competitive and there's a lot of technology involved in it too, which is, which is another side of it altogether, which is really cool. Well, how much technology? When you talk about technology, because the last person I spoke to about technology was was Nick Cassidy, and we talked about Formula Uh and he's, he, he, oh, loves, yeah. he, <laughs> he loves that side yeah. of it. So from a technology perspective, what are you referring to? Oh, I'm, I'm, I prefer I'm referring to anything to do with um, mechanical, like so suspension and uh, tyre development, and there's, there's such an open platform in, G, in GT3, with especially on the Nordschleife as well, there's, an, there's opportunity there to to do tyre development for different manu, tyre manufacturers. Um, you've got different dampers you can run in the car. So from an engineer's standpoint, there's a lot to be played with in terms of 
vehicle balance and getting the car in the working window and at peak performance. Would it be fair to say you're driving one of the wider GT3s in a Lamborghini Huracan or not? Yeah, it's, it's low and fat <laughs> and it's very aerodynamically efficient. It's, re- it's one of those cars that I think when, when they built the car, they built it to be really, really fast. And what some of the other manufacturers actually did, they built the car to be easier to drive and then let the balance performance kind of sort itself sort itself out and, and um you know, so some of these cars are like driving armchairs where the Lambo is really active <laughs> and alive. It's, you're you're really working the thing to get it going. It's it's quite cool. Well that's why they have the bull on the front of it, right? That's right. <laughs> hey, have Lipid ever thought of, of uh, and of as have you sort of had the casual conversation about DTM? Oh, we actually did have a chat about it a few months ago. It's not on the radar right now, but I, like I, I would love to do it at some point. I think it's a, a good opportunity for me to go by myself and, and have a proper crack against some of the big boys. You know, we've just started to, to compare ourselves with them and we're right where we need to be in terms of pace. So I don't think we would um, do too bad, actually. I think, you know, when Liam and uh, Liam Lawson and, and Nick Cassidy both had a had a go, they did really, really well. And uh, I can't see why it wouldn't be the same for me to jump in there and be competitive straight away with all the support from Lamborghini as well. And just like those boys have their support from Ferrari. I, I suppose what people have to realise, though, you've got to find the cash a lot of the time, right? A lot of the time, too, uh, because it's not as glamorous as it sounds, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we, we have different supporters, uh, you know, Every driver somehow has to has to to bring some some kind of form of money or funding. Um, I'm really lucky to have the support, long term support of of Dale ITM, as well as Giltrap Group and Lamborghini Auckland. They've been by my side now for a long time, and, and along with those guys, more recently, um, having having support from the factory themselves. Yeah, that's that's that the big that's the big one, right? That's the big one. That becomes more and more, and and the more the more racing you do, the faster you get, and then the more support you you get, the more support you get, the more racing you do. So you get into that 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 cycle, and then you're away. But to get into that cycle is the hardest the hardest thing to get. So talk to me about where you want to be, and and how much of a better driver have you been or have become in the last twelve months? I think in the last twelve months would be. Uh, the really the transitional point for me where I finally started to to be in a car every every second week I'm I'm driving I'm one one of the tracks in Europe and around the world really just uh, always in a Lambo so always in the same car so you're really starting to to get to the, the finer details of the car and and developing yourself as a driver you know being in the same car all the time you're always if you're jumping from car to car there's a lot of uh, things that change, you know, the cars are never quite the same. But when you're in one manufacturer and and you can really just keep charging forwards with that one thing, you've always got uh, small things to work on. So you can grow really quickly. And this last 12 months for me has been the biggest point of growth and having that support from everyone around me. My team are amazing. Lamborghini have been so so great to me lately and, and supporting me more and more. And, and that's really helped my development and be able to show... Um, the potential that um, you know, uh, Dale ITM and Giltrap and and those guys have seen in me for a long time, and now I'm finally able to 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 prove to the rest of the world what we can do. Does so that it's, it's d- quite cool? 
Does that support include a Lamborghini drive car? No, no, it doesn't. It only supports a what is it like a Citroen C1 or something, or a Corolla. But it's fine, you know. We don't worry about that. I think that's the best part about it. How young or old is Leipert as a team? Uh, so Leipert, they've been around for a long time. Um, twenty, twenty. Oh, I should know. Marcel will be, be annoyed that I couldn't tell you exactly. I think it's about twenty-two years mm-hmm. now. So. They've been around for a long time, and they've been um, one of Lamborghini's biggest customers in, in Lamborghini Super Trofeo for uh, 10, 11 years, right since the beginning of Super Trofeo. So they've been with the manufacturer for a long time, so that I was able to, to link up with them, build such a good relationship with them, and then also with Lamborghini too. It's just, it's just a really nice working environment. There's a lot of trust. And, you know, in motorsport, I think one of the hardest things to come by is loyalty. And I think that's the most important thing um, that you could you could ever have in, in the sport. It's, it's hard to come by and, and rare and and uh, such a such an important part of, of growing as a, as a in a team environment. Birthday tomorrow, buddy. It is. I, know, I forgot just I forgot about it. Actually, I, I had to remind myself this morning. I know it's my <laughs> 21st birthday. So. You, you lie. It's your 28th birthday, isn't it? 27th. Close. 27th. I was close. I was yeah, clo- that's right. You so, were close. So, so <laughs> how are you going to celebrate? Oh, well, I'm going to celebrate. I go, I'll go to the racetrack tomorrow. Yep. So that'll be quite cool. That'll be good. And um, I might get to drive a car if I'm lucky enough. But um, <laughs> other than that, I think I've, uh, I've asked. If I could pretty please have a tomahawk steak for dinner tomorrow night, oh. so I'm looking forward to that. Mate, if you want a good tomahawk steak, you need to go to my butcher, okay? Yeah. My butcher in Auckland is Avon's Butchery, right? They, oh, okay. They do the best tomahawk steak, and I've, I, right. and you've got to cook it right. You've got to cook it right. It, that's it, the key. That's what they say. That's the key. It may cost you thirty bucks for the steak, but it's well worth it because there's so much damn meat on those ones. Hey, hey oh, Brooke. Thank you. <laughs> I love the idea of a tomahawk, but yeah, cook it yourself. Don't go, don't, because someone will charge you like eighty bucks at a restaurant. Go and go and cook oh, it. Oh yeah, that's, of course. No, we're doing it at home. It's going to be. We've got the barbecue. Get the barbecue fired up. I no. wanted a tomahawk with some um, some roast spuds and a, and a and a big salad. That's that's all I feel like. Maybe a little glass of wine as well. Yeah, good. sounds good to me. Brendan, as always, it's a pleasure. Congratulations on this Asian Le Mans series uh, drive with uh, Lopet Motorsport and Lamborghini. Uh, are you going to be hanging around much over the summer at all, just quickly? Thank you. Yeah, I, I will be. I'll be here until uh, about the 10th of January, and then I head off to, to Dubai to support the team in the 24 hours of Dubai. So um, I'm getting here five, six weeks off, so some time to do some things with the sponsors and... Um, catch up with family and probably throw a bit of of mountain biking in there as well. Good man. Have a happy birthday tomorrow, Paddy. Thanks, mate. Catch you later. You're welcome. Brendan Leach, how about that? A young Kiwi driver doing super well, uh, driving for Leipit Motorsport and uh, picked up the drive with the Asian Le Mans series. So just reminding you, that's in Dubai and Abu Dhabi on the weekends of February 11 and 12 and 18 and 19. Just another talented young Kiwi who knows how to race cars. Quick update in the uh, uh, Softball World Cup in Rosedale Park in the North Shore. South Africa won, Venezuela won. They were at the bottom of this first, so one all on that one. Still no sign of a start between New Zealand and the USA. It's 425 on a Sunday afternoon with Stephen McIver and Ben Francis. If you are just joining us, it was a busy 
night overnight when it came to the end and morning, should I say, with the FIFA World Cup, the defending champions, France. Uh, they look like they are they are going to be something special. Uh, they've already they qualified today for the final sixteen uh, by just just listen to this. They'll spread it to the near side first to Dembele. Left foot across the back post. Headers on target and a save from Kasper Schmeichel. Brilliant stop from the goalkeeper. And Denmark come away with it here and they can try and counter-attack. Gets through to Cornelius inside the 18-yard box. Takes a strike and it's at the back, I believe. Yes, it hit the backboards. And now Dembele from the right sideline, cutting in on his left and shuffling back out on his right. Swings it out to the far side. First time pass played in. Giroud is there. Header on goal. It's off targets. Here goes Dembele up the right side. On the edge of the area. Gets a crossing. Kept low. Shot comes in. It's off target. It was struck from the penalty spot from Kylian Mbappe by the time it reached him. But he spooned it up over the crossbar. Forward to Rabio. Up towards Mbappe who spins away from Anderson. Sprinting towards the edge of the box now. Mbappe wants his left foot. Takes it. And it's parried away by Kasper Schmeichel. Chouameni clips the ball over the top towards Griezmann. Chests it down. Antoine Griezmann with the shots. Blazed over the bar. Now it's Mbappe on the left wing. Inside the 18-yard area. Over to Hernandez. Cuts it back. Mbappe! Kylian Mbappe puts France 1-0 up. Corner from Christian Eriksen. To the front post header. And Denmark have equalised. The powerful header from the defender. Andreas Christensen. France won, Denmark won. It's the guy wide instead. Mayla instantly into Damsgaard who fires one on goal and forces a save from Hugo Lloris. Corner from the far side, the right wing, Griezmann towards the back post, headed and just wide of the target from Aurelien Chouameni. Drags it back along the right edge of the area. Griezmann swings it across and it's been buried by Kylian Mbappe yet again. This kid is unreal. Can't be much time left at all. We've played seven minutes of injury time. France with a 2-1 lead. And the curse of the reigning champions is over. There will not be a group stage exit for the holders of the trophy this time around. At full time at Stadium 974, it's France 2, Denmark 1. So France, the defending champions, become the first team to qualify for the last 16, just like that. And as you would have heard, breaking the curse. Well, I think it's the last three World Cups being where the defending champion uh, exited in the group stage. Yeah, so Italy won in 06, missed out 2010, and then 2010 was uh, Spain, I think. Then they missed out in 2014. Germany, the 2014 champions, then missed out in last World Cup. Yeah, I, I, I was listening the other day. It's, it's just a shame that we don't have Italy in the, and it just doesn't seem right not having Italy in this World Cup. Well, I, I'm on the I'm the I'm in the opposite camp of Noel, and I would have loved it if uh, no, there was no Ronaldo and no Portugal there because Portugal had to beat Italy, the European champions, to qualify. Oh, so you don't you don't like Ronaldo? Is that what you're telling me? Not 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 a Ronaldo fan, not one of the 500 million on Instagram that love him. No. Wow. Okay. Well, that's 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 come out of the blocks. It's a four twenty nine. Uh, the other big game today. Uh, <laughs> so Saudi Arabia had the big win over Argentina, and uh, the the ruler of Saudi Arabia promised every one of those players a brand new Rolls Royce Phantom, six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I wonder if he's going to withhold that after what happened today against Poland. He runs. The lanky Saudi Arabian midfielder. Plays the ball through. The cross now will come in. 
Back it comes. Oh, great save by Chesney. Then it comes. Good header, and in the end, it had beaten the keeper, but a great deflection there by Al Shadir. That was goal bound. Oh, almost a goal there. And in fact, there is a goal for Poland. Lewandowski tried a shot, it was blocked, it ricocheted out. And it was picked up beautifully. And Poland have gone 1-0 up. In he comes. Strikes, and it's been saved. And the rebounds come out. And Albuda Ick has blasted over the crossbar. Brilliant save there by the Juventus goalkeeper in Chesney. Lewandowski does well. And there's a header onto the crossbar. What a terrific cross. And a chance for Poland to go 2-0 up. And coming on is Gunnar. And there's again onto the post as the substitution was made. Onto the right hand upright. Another close call for Saudi Arabia. And Poland again deprived by the woodwork. Inside the penalty area. This is promising. And the strike just wide from Al Malki. That was a golden opportunity. Poland by Zelensky's goal now. It's been robbed. And there's a second. A bad mistake. Lewandowski has broken his goal drought at a World Cup. And his teammates have come from everywhere to pile on top of him. What a terrible mistake. But a 2-0 victory to Poland who go to the top of Group C. Argentina are second after their win. Uh, They sit on three points, as do Saudi Arabia and Mexico uh, on the one point as well. Uh, The Group D, which has France and Australia in it, so it's France qualifies straight away. Uh, No one's going to touch them. Six points already. Australia are second with their win over Tunisia today. Denmark and Tunisia both with the one point. Overnight, you can have uh, all these commentaries live on SEN and SENZ. Japan versus Costa Rica, Belgium versus Morocco, Croatia versus Canada, and Spain versus Germany is the big one that everybody is talking about. So there's a lot of the FIFA World Cup right here on SENZ and SNZ. Just a little reminder, whoa, Venezuela have popped out to a 5-1 lead, a 5-1 lead against the Republic of South Africa in their match in the World Softball Championships at the bottom of the second. 4.32, we're going to have a coffee with Watto next. 4.36 on a Sunday afternoon with Stephen McIver and Bear, Bear, Bear Francis. I was going to call you Bear Francis. Actually, you sort of make sense, really. You know, your big rugged beard and, you know, just call you Bear, Fra- Bear Francis. You know, are you an outdoorsy sort of guy that gets mucked in and does stuff? What do you think? Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> All right. Well, no careless whisper here. Mark Watson uh, joins us right now. Never careless, but full, had, a, had a full weekend already uh, calling the Auckland Tuatara against the Sydney Blue Spox in the latest round of the, what do you call it, the Australian, but what is it, the ABL, Mark? Yeah, the Australian Baseball League. Yes, absolutely. Oh, Eight teams, uh, two divisions. I've made the mistake of calling the ANBL before, but uh, actually, by the way, just a reminder, uh, just a little update, 8.09 in the second uh, quarter, New Zealand Breakers 39, Brisbane Bullets 22. All right, so just note, too, that the Bullets are well down on par, but the the, the uh, Breakers could go 10-3 and three at the end of this one. I mean, that uh, we talked to Casey Frank this afternoon, Mark, and, man, haven't they just turned it around with good recruiting, strong D, and just and, and the only way you bring a crowd back. You look, absolutely, best form of marketing is winning. And the nice thing is they're doing it on the road too, which is never easy. And 
then you do get teams at home and you can create that atmosphere because you're winning. People do want to turn up and that makes it even more hostile. And look, they've got a great legacy, haven't they? Um, the oh, breakers yeah. and really, really, really disappointing year last year. And, well, we can't, you know, we can't, clearly, we can't be, we can't be too harsh on them for the last two seasons, though, can they? And, and Casey said quite rightly, Mark, that being on the road, never having a rhythm, living out of a suitcase, uh, but to a bit like the Warriors having to keep a, a competition alive, you, you can't feel too bad. Oh gosh, Tom Weaver probably just dropped a big three. My apologies, uh, I was pretty forty-two twenty-two. Sorry, Mark. Uh, the, 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 it's circumstance, right? Yeah, look, it is. Um, and it's been really tough for all New Zealand sports teams. I mean, I think it's just been tough for organisations as a whole. And really, it's just about trying to keep the organisation afloat. You're, you're, there's so much uncertainty around it. Um, you know, and it doesn't make hard, too, in terms of your recruitment. Um, you know, knowing whether players are informed or not, particularly players that you're bringing from overseas. And so, look, I think everybody... You know, we quickly move on, don't we? And it's really all yeah. about what teams do this season. And yeah, look, the Breakers. I mean, the Breakers. I love. I, 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 I love it. I love it when yeah. they're they're they who are who they are. Yeah, they're the pinnacle of basketball in this country, and it's a sport that is just flourishing more so than any other sport. And um, you know, the talent that is starting to come through, the talent that's going to be available to the Breakers in the next sort of five to ten years. I'm not sure you're going to need to look too far overseas because I think we're just going to have that much depth. Yep. You've only got to look at the courts around the city here in Auckland. You've only got to go and have a look at secondary schools. I was talking to John Ackland, you know, a rugby league stalwart, a big part of setting the Warriors up, and he was saying that numbers in rugby league and rugby are down at St. Peter's College where he works in Auckland. Oh, is he at St. Pete's now? He's at St. Peter's now? Yeah. Yeah, and he said, he said, but he said, Mark, you know, if you build eighty basketball courts, we'd fill every single yeah, one of them. That that is true. We there is a genuine lack of basketball courts in the biggest city in the country, and because they just there are so many kids who want to play with it. And I think too, I, I I think it's a social thing too. Mums and dads don't want their you know Johnny and Sally being beaten up playing you know contact games, and basketball does allow it does allow everybody to be part of of a team, and no matter what their size, right. Oh, look, absolutely. Everyone gets their hand on the ball. Really low cost of entry. You can pretty much play it anywhere. Uh, but I think also, too, you know, the NBA have been great in terms of the way they market the oh, game. Yeah. You look at you look at their benchmark players now. There's a player that sort of, I guess, reaches every little sort of um, genre that supports basketball. If, you want, if you're somebody that's slightly gangster, then there's that slightly gangster basketball player. If you're a little bit more scientific in your approach yeah. in life, there's that type of player as well. You've got the bad boy, you've got the good boy, you've got the European, you've got... And then, you've got your clean cut, then you've got your Mr. Clean Cut who can drop a, a three from anywhere and Steph Curry, right? <laughs> Correct, absolutely. And that's the brilliant thing about it. There is, there is a hero in basketball for everybody. Yeah, and I like that. So anyway, that's what we weren't going to talk about, but that is good because they're up 46-24 and in control, which would make uh, Modi Mayor. I was watching Modi Mayor on the sideline early on, like early in the first quarter. Boy, he doesn't muck around. He, he, he's he got the best stink eye going around when he wants to talk to his players. Let's talk about uh, the Tuatara. So was it going to be a five-game series or a four-game series? It was supposed to be a five-game series? No, always a four-game series. So the way it works is there are 40 regular season games. Yep. They they will play 20 games at home, 20 games away. So that is five home series of four games. Roger that. They'll play, they will play the three teams in their division, and then there will be a crossover of two teams in the other division. Now, the Tuatara started the first two rounds of the ABL away. They played the Brisbane Bandits, who have probably been the benchmark over the last 10 years, and they... 
played okay, but they lost that series three games to one. And then they bounced back against a very good Canberra team in Canberra, winning that series three games to one. And then they've come home for their first home series, and that was against the Sydney Blue Sox. Now, it's an interesting one, Stephen, because they're playing at North Harbour, but this is a team that have, this Tuatara team has been made up of um, a whole lot of players that are associated with the major league clubs. So yeah. representation from the Padres, the San Francisco Giants, um, you know, you've got the New York Mets, you've got the Texas Rangers, have all sent players over. Then you've got a really strong Asian contingent out of Taiwan, out of Korea, out of Japan. Players have all played at the highest level in those countries. Then you're bringing them all together. So really, was it a home series for the Tuatara? Well, for a lot of them, this is the first time they actually got on North Harbour Stadium. This was actually the first time they've played there. Um, so I think by I think by game four today, it started to probably feel like the home advantage, like the home ground. Because I think as manager Steve Mintz says, look, home advantage is more about your crowd. It's more about your fan base um, in a league like this. And yeah, it was a small but very, very passionate following for the Tuatara. But then uh, game four got washed out today when they were up 3-0, right? Yeah, so it, five innings um, is a game uh, in a rain situation. We got to the bottom of the fourth, and the Tuatara were leading by three runs to nothing. Now, what does happen in baseball, and I only learnt this today, is there's a good chance they will play this game in Sydney when we have the return series. And what they actually do is they just pick it up from where the game left off. So they will still play just a seven-inning game. And if they restart it, it will be bottom of the fourth. The Tuatara will still be leading by three. And look, looking at Common the closeness sense. of the league, I think, yeah, looking at the closeness of the league, it'll be a really, really important game to hopefully get finished, even if it means playing this in Sydney rather than North Harbour. Look, I've got to be honest with you. I went onto the Tuatara website to try and figure out where they stood, and I couldn't really find where they stand in the ABL. So where are they standing after after this third series? Okay, so currently their win record is six. Their loss record is five. They're second in their division. It's the Brisbane Bandits who I think have won. I think the Brisbane Bandits are nine and three. Mm -hmm. And then it is the Canberra Cavalry who have won five, lost six. On the other side of it, a little bit more even. You've got Geelong on that side. You've got Melbourne. You've got Perth. Um, and I'm just trying to remember who the other team is. So, uh, yeah, look. Do look, they stack up OK, Mark? Like, yeah, look, they do. They do. I think all these clubs have affiliates with the major leagues. There's nothing in it. Uh, we've seen that right across all the different series that have been played. Uh, look, at the end of the day, this comes down to pitching. You've got to have pitching depth. Uh, baseball is a game very much dominated by the ball. And to bring some context to it, if you know, if you fail seven out of ten times in the major leagues, you're going to end up in the Hall of Fame because you'll be batting 300, you'll be batting at 30%, and that is world-class, Stephen. Mm-hmm. And so it comes down to pitching depth. Look, the Tuatara are excited by their lineup. I think, you know, Steve Minson Co., they want to win the Claxton Shield. They want to win this thing, and they believe they've got a lineup capable. Um, but like anything, um, you know, you're bringing a whole lot of guys together. They played their first two series away. You know, we were good Friday night, really, really poor yesterday in game two and then bounced back brilliantly last night. And then again today, we look good. But as Steve Mint said, look, this team hasn't clicked just yet, but they're still managing to win. So, look, I think people should get excited. Um, really, really high standard of baseball. I mean, you, you run through the lineup. You've got Shu Wei Lin, who's spent 
you know, a lot of professional, you know, played in the major leagues with the Boston Red Sox, won a World Series in 2018. You, you go through the lineup, and uh, Caber Rodriguez, probably the best fielder we've seen in baseball in this country. Texas Rangers got big raps on him. A lot of people say he will play in the big leagues. And then two New Zealanders who have been superb, Jason Matthews, Clayton Campbell, both have professional minor league contracts. Um, I, uh, I'm just trying to work out, I yeah, think it's with the Chicago White Sox. Uh, you've got a hot, you know, you, the broadcasters going up through Taiwan, such as the interest with yeah. the number of the Taiwanese players that make up this Tuatara lineup. And then, again, you've got those stories right across the entire league. So if you want to see somebody throwing 100 mile an hour, you can come to North Harbour Stadium and see that. I mean, this is a high, high quality of baseball. Otherwise, the major league clubs wouldn't be interested. They wouldn't be sending coaches. They wouldn't be sending players. They wouldn't be putting their resource into it if they didn't think there was some benefit in it for them. But you've got to, but you've got to be mentally resilient, right? Because I've heard some stories. You can be one minute, you can be a hero playing major leagues. Next minute, you can be down playing double AA, A, triple A and making no money. Yeah, well, well, I mean, you look at Sue Whalen. So here he is, three, four years. I think it was also with the Minnesota Twins. Um, with the, uh, yeah, as I said, with the Boston Red Sox, and then, you know, suddenly form drops off. I think he'd re-signed with the New York Mets, gets cut, and suddenly finds himself playing independent ball in America. So it's going probably from a million dollars a year to suddenly being on fifteen thousand dollars a year, yeah. and it's sort of either, you know, it's either the penthouse or the other house. Yeah. And so, um, uh, yeah, it can be. It, it is a brutal game. It's a game that's based on statistics. There's not a lot of nepotism because the statistics, it's a game based on statistics. You can't hide from the stats. So, yeah, yeah. interesting. Okay, just uh, just briefly, uh, the Black Caps uh, game at the moment is still, the covers are on. Uh, they've sent Indira into bat, 22 without loss, and they've only had four and a half overs. But just raised the question, and I haven't said much about it because people don't think I enjoy my cricket, and I do enjoy my limited overs cricket, but I was really disappointed that they uh, they let Martin Guptill go. Yeah, look, an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, every player's career comes to an end at some point. but uh, Do you not think he's got, got plenty to offer still? No, I do. Sorry, Stephen. I've just got my son bashing at the door. I'm just going to open the door for him. I know it's not a great race. But I'll just open the door and then I'll come back to you, Stephen. Uh, there we are. We've opened the door. No, look, Martin Guptill, I mean, I think his, you know, you look at his career, what? Averages almost 42 and close to 200 one-day internationals. Averages in the 30s at a T20 level. Um, I guess the one thing in his game is he's been disappointing when he's played away from home. He's been brilliant at home. And maybe they are looking to the future and looking at Finn Allen. But I look at Finn Allen and we're sort of starting to see that he is a little bit one-dimensional. And maybe they did rush this decision. Yeah. But for Martin Guptill, I think, you know, when you think about the great one-day players, you're going to look at the Ross Taylors, you're going to look at the Brennan McCullums, the Martin Crows, the Nathan Astles. But I think that Martin Guptill is very much in that discussion yeah, in not. terms of our greatest one-day players and opening at the top of the order for New Zealand if you were to pick that greatest ever 11. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, I, look, I just, I just think it's a shame. I think he, uh, with you on the finale thing, and I don't know enough about cricket to pass judgment, but I thought uh, it was a little premature. But it is what it is. Mark, as always, a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for having a coffee with me this afternoon. You get back uh, to being daddy and uh, run around after that little fellow of yours, okay? <laughs> yeah, I will, mate. Right. Hey, thanks, Stephen. Have a good afternoon. Yeah, you too, mate. It's 4.49 here on...
SENZ. Sorry, I turned my mic off. I thought I was turning Mark off. I took myself off. Uh, just about done here uh, for a Saturday afternoon. Uh, just a reminder that, that I can tell you that the New Zealand breakers are absolutely toweling absolutely toweling Brisbane up at the moment 237 and counting in the second quarter and they lead 6235 that's right 6235 in the softball at the bottom of the third Venezuela 7 the Republic of South Africa 1 that's Venezuela 7 uh the Republic of South Africa one and they've just started. They're at the bottom of the first. They're at the bottom of the first in the New Zealand USA game. Four fifty-five, almost done for this edition of a Sunday afternoon with Stephen McIver and Ben Francis. We will reconvene on the eleventh of December. Will, will we not, Ben, to uh, do this all again and see what's changed in a fortnight of sport? Eventually, and we'll be at the World Cup stage too, right? I'm, I'll be looking forward to it. Very excited. Okay, what does the rest of Sunday evening hold for you? Who's cooking? It's always me. Always you. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks Thanks for the help this afternoon. Thanks for keeping me in check. That's us done. Don't forget, if you want to get the best of what you, you, you we had today, uh, 7 o'clock tonight here on SCNZ. See ya.